bringing you all of the local motocross racing from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. The Imperative MX Podcast. Here's another episode. And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number 35. And man, we're glad to be back for another episode. We are bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week on yet another episode. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank everyone who has been enjoying these episodes already, and the great positive feedback from you guys, the listeners, has been phenomenal. If you still need to check out any of the past episodes, do yourselves a favor and check them out after this one which is now available anywhere and everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, Listen Notes, Google Podcasts, and many more to choose from to listen to past episodes with awesome guests. And of course, it is fantastic to see the support from the local community and even outside the local community's support in the sport of motocross. And I tell you what, we are a part of an awesome sport. And I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode here on the Imperative MX Podcast. We have a lot to talk about regarding local racing all the way to professional and, of course, everything in between. And with that, there are many talking points to chat about within this episode. First, we will take or we will talk about the opening NCMX round this past weekend at Windy Hill with a call in from Zach Heron, who was there announcing all weekend. And to also catch up with him about voicing the GNCC series, working with Vermoto, music and much more. We will also get into racing coming up this weekend and, of course, ones to look out for within the next couple of weeks. Switching to the professional side, we will have a call-in from Dirt Bike Depot 250 Supercross East rider Gage Linville about this past weekend, 17th place ride in Detroit, joining this Dirt Bike Depot team, his offseason, and much more. Finally, We will have Trace Dyer, of course, call in to help us review and give our takes on the Detroit Supercross round of uh, Monster Energy Supercross, of course, uh, Friday night AMA Arena Cross Championship from Arizona. And of course, as you guys know, much, much more to get into on this podcast tonight. Make sure to check us out by searching Imperative MX on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, and TikTok if you guys have not already done so. Thank you all for supporting us on all of our social media platforms as we continue to grow. And of course, before we go any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors on board here on the Imperative MX Podcast, West Virginia Motorsports, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, Hydropower, FXR, Total Control Racing Suspension, Silver Valley MX Park, and PR Motorsports. We will get more into each of these awesome companies behind us here in just a bit. And don't forget to check out ImperativeMX.com. When you get a chance, many new things are in the works right now, so be on the lookout for some exciting things coming to the website shortly. Support the ones that support the sport, like these companies helping us out with this podcast to bring you these weekly episodes. And of course, helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast, the highly likable, knowledgeable, and we cannot forget about that District 29 2011 C-Class champion. It's co-host Heavy D. What's going on, Heavy? What's up, dog? What are you doing, brother? It's another work week for you, huh? Oh, yeah, bro. You know, we're just trying to wind down, relax, and uh, talk about some dirt bikes. Hey, man, it's, uh, I believe that this one is going to be 
a good one for both me and you and the listeners out there, of course. And before we get into that, West Virginia Motorsports, if you are looking for your next ride, look no further than my friends over there at West Virginia Motorsports. If you are around the surrounding area and looking for a new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, ATV, scooter, or anything motorized in that matter, stop by Princeton, West Virginia, or at their brand new location, Virginia Motorsports in Whitfield, Virginia. And of course, don't forget to order your parts for your current bike or that brand new one uh, through West Virginia Motorsports or Virginia Motorsports. And don't forget to get those oil and air filters on your way out. And Heavy D, let's not catch them on fire. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's definitely not catch them on fire. That one, uh, like I always say, that one will never get away from you if you catch them on fire. <laughs> no, we will, we will be bringing it back every single podcast because that, yeah, that's that's hilarious, and I still can't believe. Uh, yeah, you're going down for that one. Hey, whenever it's your time to go, Heavy D, I think somebody might put an air filter emoji uh, on the on the tombstone to let you not forget. <laughs> I can see that happening. It's probably in the works. It probably, so it's already. It's hey, you already know. I got stone. I got some connections, man. You know, we can make this that's happen. right. <laughs> uh, man, <laughs> let's, let's get into some local motocross racing. Heavy D races this past weekend, of course. Uh, races uh, this upcoming weekend and races soon to attend. And first, uh, make sure you guys check out the compiled schedule of races. I know that there is one that I'm going to fix uh, probably tomorrow, uh, Thursday of this week. So there will be a new date added to one of the SEMA races, but. Make sure you guys go and check that out. I compiled all of the four to five major uh, AMA series along uh, this, you know, southeastern part of the Carolinas and Maryland and Virginia and that sort of thing. So make sure you guys go and check that out on the website or on our Facebook page, of course. And Heavy D, man, it was it was the NCMX opening round at Windy Hill. Um this past weekend and let me tell you what heavy d there was over 300 entries the local movement was real oh dude i know i wasn't there but you know uh you you was there getting uh getting uh some of the action and uh i was talking to you and you told me it was over 300 entries i was like what yeah dang i was so stoked on that man i think that's awesome bro i mean all i'm saying is I got to say, like, I think I, I see several people there that usually aren't at some of the NCMX stuff. And um, I must say, I think uh, I think some people took a liking to that uh, that uh, compiled schedule you put together. And uh, was like, oh, yeah, let's give this thing a shot. Let's go to Wendy Hills. Yep. Yep. No, it was it was a good time and good vibes, of course. And uh, man, we had a great time. And of course, uh, Zach Heron is getting ready to come up here in just a moment. And, man, we got to hang out in the announcer's tower for a while. Me and Nicole took Nora, our German Shepherd, down there, and we walked her around and, of course, watched some of the racing action. Got there a little bit past uh, the first uh, motos. I think we came in with, like, moto four or five and watched all the way up until, I think, eight, moto eight or something for uh, the second motos before we uh, headed back to the house. But, man, it was, it was great to see a lot of people there. Of course, uh, Joseph and Shane, who run it now, and uh, everybody that is a part of it, Jacob Locklear's uh, father, Jason, I do believe that that is what his name is. Uh, he is the AMA. He was the AMA referee this weekend and also helping out with NCMX. And um, of course, everybody that helps out and volunteer. And man, that track, it looked good, Heavy D. I mean, I know that I rode at 421 on Saturday 
man, I really wanted to go out there to Windy Hill and ride on Sunday as well. Heck yeah, dude. That's that's awesome. How did Little Locklear do? Did you get to see him racing? Uh, I did. I did. There was, I mean, those 85 classes, man, they were, they were pretty stacked for sure. Um, there was a lot of action going on. So honestly, I didn't see where he ended up in the results, but yes, I did see little Locklear out there. See, that's what I like, man. It was like, when I seen it, I always, I mean, I don't mind seeing the big bike classes being stacked, you know, like, cause usually, usually like D class and C classes. It's fairly stacked, you know what I mean? It's usually a good amount in those, but, like, now that they went, like, basically all-star, it looked like it was, you know, a fairly decent amount of riders at AB, all-star, yeah. but I love seeing a little bike classes stacked, dude, because, I mean, that's where it's at. Like, getting all the little guys to come around, man, that's, I, I love it. Like, seeing a solid 85 class, a solid 60 class, a solid 50 class, like, that's what I like to see, and I mean that's good because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, that's that's that air where the parents is really, really, really looking to uh, get the kids as much competition as possible. So they're gonna go to where all the riders are. So if those classes were stacked like that, that's what I love to hear. Yeah, no, it was good, and of course, um, I was talking to Zach Heron about all of that that you just said. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get Zach Heron here on the line and we'll discuss that exact same thing, Heavy D. Let's do it. The Endurt Industries custom graphics for over 10 years, they designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high quality decals are considered by many to be the best in the industry. Professionals and weekend warriors alike utilize the awesome graphics and decals. And of course, the highly acclaimed design team is well equipped to help their customers get the look they want in a short amount of time. Make sure to use the code IMPERATIVEMX, all caps, no space, on their website at DirtIndustriesGraphics.com for twenty or for 15% off code to save on your next Dirt Industry custom graphics purchase, helmet wraps, banners, license plates, and much more. And Dirt Industries, of course, would like to help us bring our first guest of the night. It's GNCC TV guy. It's musician, writer, announcer, podcaster. It's local North Carolina native Zach Heron. Thanks for coming on, Zach. How are you? Thank you, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, Zach of all trades, man. I do a, do a little bit of as much as I can, but uh, we have a good time doing it. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, before we uh, got into that ad read, we were talking about the Zach attack. And of course, you were announcing at Windy Hill this past weekend, and I walked up uh, into the announcer's tower, and it was a Zach attack, but it wasn't the full effect that you know the crowd needed to hear. Yeah, we got to get a get a couple of mics. We're gonna have to beef up the sound system man. they got to get the the full monty the full effect but uh, one of these days man one of these days it'll happen yeah absolutely and uh of course you were there announcing at windy hill for the opening round of the ncmx series this weekend there was over 300 entries on race day even practice day was good and it, it was great weather for february so in your opinion how did how did it go how was the weekend Man, it was fantastic. I tell you what, there was, uh, you know, a lot of talk surrounding this NCMX series going into 2024. Uh, Joseph and Shane both, you know, took on the responsibility. And really, I was I was super impressed. I was curious to see how the year was going to start. And man, I don't think you could ask for much more than that. Record turnout for Windy Hill. I know Casey and every, the entire staff was super excited. Like you said, Saturday was, was just as packed. Um, I called Saturday's uh, practice schedule as well. And Man, I was really impressed, not only with the rider turnout, but man, for those that didn't know, it was a brand new track layout on the entire bottom section of the Windy Hill track. 
And uh, Zach, heavy, I'm sure you guys understand. That's no small feat, man. That's that's one heck of a feat to take on, especially going into the first race of the year. So I think the entire track crew did a fantastic job. But, man, we were spoiled when it came to the racing. I mean, Zach, you were up there in the tower. And for those of you that didn't come, man, you missed one heck of a race. I mean, everything from the 50s up to the 450s, man, it was awesome racing all day long yeah it was a lot of bar banging going on for sure not li not literally to the full extent but those guys were using the lines effectively going inside outside we saw a lot of guys uh moving their way around the track and of course it is shorter lap times but the riders got a good amount of track time out there as well of course with the longer motos and laps and i think we were starting to talk they're going into the second motos we were like man a lot of these people are going to be biting their tongues about saying that they wanted longer motos huh yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, once again, you know, just a huge hats off to the entire NCMX team there that was able to make that happen. You know, they made some tough decisions and everybody's got their opinions on it, but they've got their reasoning. I think it's just as far as why they decided to remove the classes they did. But what that does is give the other classes the opportunity to spend more time on track. And man, it was crazy. Even there in those first motos, right about the five lap mark you would start to see riders just drop anchor. I yep. mean, there's no other way to say it. Several of them, and I'm sure it was arm pump, not just, you know, uh, basic fatigue. But, man, it was it was incredible to see some of these guys just completely drop back through the pack. And so uh, it was funny. Casey talked to some of the vet riders walking through the pits throughout the day, and they were like, man, my tongue was dragging by lap three. <laughs> because while it was a great track and it was super raceable, it was super rough out there as well. Oh, of course. And, you know, we always talk about going out there and getting your racecraft and, of course, dealing with those uh, adversities of the track breaking down and stuff. And I think for, you know, the first time of these new operational owners uh, or, you know, operators of this NCMX series, all of the volunteers, the track work, track owners, I mean, from, you know, the bottom of the of the board all the way up. I felt like for an opening round and with all of that adversity coming in, it was a great time. And uh, I think everybody really, really enjoyed it throughout the week weekend. Yeah, like I said, I don't really know of, of any more you could have asked for. I mean, brand new track layout. So even people that had been to Windy Hill multiple times before, they were coming in with a sense of curiosity and a sense of excitement. And and you could feel that. I mean, you could tell in line talking to several different riders, Gage McElvain, uh, David Lambis Jr. I mean, these guys have spun many a laps around Windy Hill, as have you and I both. But, man, you come into a new track, man, a lot of new questions. How is it going to race? What lines are going to be the best? Uh, Casey implementing a split lane option, which a lot of people sometimes those just don't work. And I confidently can say that I felt like that provided both good line options. And I saw passes made in both of those split lanes. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just top to bottom. I think it was a great race. The turnout was fantastic. And it just goes to show when people show up to the races, it makes it fun. The races were great all the way through the pack. It wasn't just for the wins. There were battles going on for podiums, battles going on for top fives. And man, that's good to see back for North Carolina motocross. Of course, the Imperative MX podcast, episode number 35, speaking with Zach Heron, brought to you by the good folks over there at Dirt Industries Custom Graphic. And of course, use the code Imperative MX, all caps, no space for 15% off your next purchase. Heavy D? Yes, sir. Listen, I'm going to call you Heron. I'm going to say Heron because Zach and Zach is killing me. Because I feel like y'all both going to say, which one are you talking to? Be specific. <laughs> but uh, so what, what was your favorite part of the, of the weekend on Wendy Hill, like far as uh, classes? Because I like the little guys. I mean, I like them all, but 
I love seeing the little classes stack. Well, I was just talking to uh, uh, Newberry about this, actually. Yeah, so, man, it was, like I said, there was an incredible amount of action all the way from the 50 shaft class, which had over 12 entries, I believe, uh, all the way up to the Open AV All-Star, which had 11 entries. And, man, like I said, there were battles going all the way through it. Uh, I actually wrote down some of my favorite races of the weekend. Uh, College Boy was a fantastic one. Gage McIlvain on the number 14 uh, Hayden Justice on the number 69 and Ryder Crute on the 968. Uh, Gage and Hayden had a battle royale going in Moto 1. Gage, unfortunately, uh, his Yamaha let go. I don't think he, he was able to get it running before the second moto. So Hayden and Ryder Crute went to battle, and uh, that was a battle all the way to the end until, unfortunately, Hayden fell over. But, man, just a super exciting race to call. Plus 25 was a bar banger between David Lambeth Jr., uh, on that number 16 machine, Justin Kurtz on the 62 Kawasaki, and then Blake Lewis, man, I don't know what he took that morning, but that guy was getting whole shots like Michael Essie in his heyday, man. Yeah, yes, he, he was. was. Hold on, hold on. Oh, 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 the Blake Lewis. Are we talking about the same Blake Lewis? Absolutely, man, the 271 Ripper. Yeah. Did he raced? Yeah. Yes, sir, and man, he looked in good form. I was really impressed. Uh, David and Justin had one heck of a pace as the race went on, especially with the longer laps. But man, those opening laps and coming off of that start, he was he was a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely, <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. That's absolutely. Awesome. But uh, man, and then the mini open class, that one is almost reminiscent of an outdoor national. You're looking at 22 entries for that, and I mean, all the way through the top 10, uh, DePino on the 51. You had Snyder coming all the way down from New York. Uh, I believe it's Travis Snyder. Uh, on the 582 KTM, and then the local boy, Carson Shelton, was keeping him honest, rounding out the podium. That one was fantastic. And then, of course, I, I guess the uh, – I don't want to say it's the fan favorite, but everybody likes watching that all-star race, right? The AB riders, it's the best of the best, the fastest of the field. And, of course, the Club MX boys had to come and show what they've got as well. And this was a new guy. This was the first time I had seen the 257, uh, Jesson Turner, riding on that Club MX muck-off FXR back Yamaha. Man, he was rolling – Went down early in one of the motos, came all the way back through the field. And uh, I'll tell you what, Justin Kurtz and David Lambeth, once again, did not make it easy on him. And, of course, you know the 61 of Michael Mitchell had to go and dice things up with him as well. And uh, he looked good on that Babbitt Kawasaki, too. It was it was an awesome day, but those were probably my standout classes. Hey, yeah, dude, that's what I like to hear, man. That's, that's some good takeaways from it, too, dude. Like, there are all these guys show up, and what's funny is, like, a lot of those guys you named, I mean, I'm pretty sure they've raced it, but the one I've mainly seen them race is Silver Valley. But I've never, like, for, as far as the NCMX, usually they race a lot of other AMA stuff, parts like Victor Sports and all of that. But the fact that they came out and, and raced, you know, win the Hill in the first round of the NCMX, dude, I'm stoked on that, man. That just, it goes to show, like, I mean, I know it's the very start, but, you know, the, the series is definitely going in the right way. And, I know it was sick. I mean, Casey has had that track on point ever since he's taken over. And, uh, dude, I love the fact that he always has, like, motor creations come in and, you know, keep it pretty fresh. And they do an awesome job when it comes to building as well. So I think that's pretty sick. They actually had a fresh, brand-new layout for um, the first round. So, man, that that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, it was really a stand-up performance from the entire crew, from from the local Windy Hill crew to the NCMX kind of bigger picture series crew. 
Um, and you know, I mean, great racing too. Like Zach said, we had bar banging, but not like dirty riding or anything like that. We had some great battles, some slicing and dicing, but everybody rode clean. The track provided some different line options. So you could alternate back and forth. Several times we saw multiple passes for the lead made in a race. So, I mean, what more can you ask for when it comes to local racing? And I was stoked. I know Zach was stoked and the track people were stoked. But the biggest thing I saw was the riders were happy, you know. And I think that was the whole purpose of the series changes and what everybody's looking to do is take things back to the rider getting more time on the track with some great competition. And those top guys, they like it when there's people to battle with. They like it when there's work to be done out on the track. So it was a great turnout, a great weekend. And, uh, man, I'm just stoked to see what NCMX 2024 looks like for the rest of the year yeah absolutely yeah i mean absolutely man you you hit the nail on the head for that and um speaking about you know the other jobs that you have of course you do the gncc for racer tv and of course you did that last year and now going into your second year do you feel uh better and more confident going into this year now that you kind of know uh what to do and you know uh the people that are uh at the job site as well Absolutely. Without a doubt. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty funny looking back on this time last year. I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, I think it was Ricky Carmichael that said luck is the residue of preparation. So <laughs> I try to be as prepared as I can for everything. And man, I watched some GNCCs. I was fortunate enough to, to run some races where Josh Strang was at. But beyond that, I did not have a lot of knowledge like I did with motocross and supercross. That's kind of my bread and butter, what I've grown up watching and doing. And so there was a, a ton of studying. The, the week leading up to round one last year, I watched the entire previous season. And oh, if wow. you know anything about GNCCs, that's a lot of race footage. So there was a ton of learning. I actually, uh, the first couple of rounds, I brought what I called my moron manual, which was <laughs> uh, three sheets of paper with all of the top riders in XC1, XC2, XC3, WXC, or WXC, um, and then the top amateurs as well. I had what color their bike was, what their number was, and then what their name was, because I wanted to make sure that I was able to give the proper riders the credit that they deserved. But now coming into 2024, I know these riders, not only from a, a fan standpoint, but I know them personally. Now I've gotten to talk to them on and off camera. And it just, it makes such a difference when you get to know these riders on a deeper level. And, um, oftentimes they're a little more open with you about sharing what's going on, whether it's positive or negative. Um, and I think that's just going to help make my job a little easier, you know, help with, uh, me get some better reporting and some better segments on the racer TV uh, airing and throughout the entire season. I think it's just going to be awesome. We had eight races or eight winners in eight different races throughout that last season. And nice. there were only 12 races in total. So uh, there's a, a big, I guess a big expectation to live up for man. Year one was literally historic for me. Uh, that was the most winners in GNCC history and yeah. that's going to be a hard one to beat. So we've got uh, some top riders switching teams uh, Stu Baylor, of course, comes to mind switching over to the Kawasaki. It's going to be exciting to see what he's able to do. Um, the XC2 class, it's up for grabs. Liam Draper is is feeling back on that Ampro Yamaha and looking to uh, get things done once again. But absolutely, I'm feeling a lot better. As you can tell, I wouldn't have been able to drop that information last year. Yeah. But now I know I've been able to see what's going on as far as team switches and, and preseason prep. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're, uh, I think, nine days away from the start of round one. So the, the clock's ticking and I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Where is the, where is the first opening round? Yeah. So the opening round is in, uh, it's called big buck. It's in union, South Carolina. Okay. So yep. any of you Carolina listeners, it's not too far away. Uh, I'm living in Charlotte and I think it's 
just about an hour and a half, maybe to two hours. Not too bad at all. And uh, motorcycles are going to race on that Sunday. So uh, if you want to see some quad action, and I know some people are, are quad haters. I get it. But I'm telling you, it's pretty cool to watch these guys wide open through the woods on these ATVs. They, they are just as impressive to watch as the bikes. Uh, but if you want to see the two-wheeled action, that's going to be on Sunday. So absolutely, if you can make it, come check it out. No, that's awesome. And, and, and of course, um, you know, you mentioned you just moved to Charlotte. And, uh, of course, we've talked about it in the announcer's tower there for a little while. But, uh, man, you're enjoying that time in uh, in Charlotte now, huh? Absolutely, yeah. I've got a uh, kind of a long-term on-and-off relationship with Charlotte. I did graduate from UNCC, so I spent four years down here in school. And then when COVID hit, I actually moved to, to South Carolina and lived in Charleston for a year. And then came back to Charlotte again, uh, and, and so it's been it's been one heck of a journey. But I do enjoy it here. Uh, I, I like I like the hub as far as having an airport close by. Yep. Um, and, and there's just so much to do around here, whether it's the Whitewater Center or uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway or I fly in Concord and go indoor skydiving. There's there you can always find something to do in Charlotte. And uh, yeah, it's good to be back for sure. No, that's awesome. And music, you've been doing some local gigs around there, or have any planned? Yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. The the racing announcing has picked up a bunch, uh, and my schedule's gotten pretty full on the weekends, but I'm definitely still staying true to the music. Uh, I'm playing about a show a week at least. Uh, I play a lot of Wednesday shows. I've actually got one this Friday and Saturday nice. um, before the season starts, so trying to get every last bit I can. But absolutely, I've got uh, got a couple more songs in the chamber. I just got to get some time in a recording studio. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been great, man, being able to do a lot. And uh, hopefully we'll be playing some music at some races this year as well. No, that would be awesome. And, uh, man, we, we do always enjoy um, all of the songs that you've put out. And, of course, you always do some great uh, live music. And I've seen, you know, you play a couple of times even at the local races. And it's always been really good, of course. And the last uh, question that I had for you, and then I'll move it on to Heavy D, uh, Verb Moto, you've been podcasting, of course, uh, with them and, and that show, and you got some announcing gigs coming up for this year. So, man, you—it seems like a, you know a year ago we were we were talking to you, and uh, you were doing a couple of things here and there. But now your schedule is damn near full. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been pretty crazy. I, I am extremely blessed and extremely fortunate to have uh, the opportunities that I have, not only with with uh, MX Sports and Racer TV, but also Verb Moto and their entire Verb Shred Tour and and everything they've got going on. It's been really exciting. Um, and, and a lot of awesome opportunities, uh, not only last year, but yeah, this year, uh, excited to be able to go out to Nevada for the world mini. That one's going to be pretty legendary race. Those guys, when I say they do it up big, they do it up big. And so that one is going to be fun, uh, getting over to the West coast too, calling a lot of new riders for me. Um, last year I was able to do Loretta Lens, and I'll be doing that again this year as well. Nice. But, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of new names, right? I, I'm used to the Southeast at most. But uh, it's really exciting. I'm glad to be able to go over there and uh, kind of call a brand new group of riders in front of some new people and hopefully uh, get my name out there a little bit. Who knows, man? We're, we're trying to go as much as we can. Uh, I think I'm going to be doing Verbadilla with them as well up in Unadilla. Uh, and then we'll be doing some qualifiers as well. I'm going to do the NCMP Regional. Nice. Uh, and then I'm also going to do the Echicani Regional. So I'll be covering both of the Southeast Regionals. Uh, this year for the Redlands qualifiers and hoping to get some interviews and talk to some of those top riders to get the scoop before we actually end up out at the ranch. Yeah, of course. And the Imperative MX podcast episode number 35, speaking with Zach Heron, brought to you by the good folks over there at Dirt Industries Custom Graphics. And of course, use the code Imperative MX, all caps, no space for 15% off 
of your next purchase, Heavy D? Oh, yeah, you're good, you're good. You good? Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, the Zach Attack, Zach Heron, man, you got you have been absolutely killing it, and uh, I see that the confidence in your uh, in your talking now is uh, is a lot better than one of the first times. You know, we had you on the pod; you were one of the first ones we had uh, on the pod, and it's awesome to see your growth and uh, what you're doing nowadays uh, for you know work and what you love to do. Right? You've been around this sport for a long time, and you get to do it as a as a job now. So uh, it's awesome to see Zach. I truly appreciate it, guys. Same to you. It's been awesome to watch the growth of the podcast and uh, listen to the different people and perspectives that you guys have been able to cover, man. It's been, uh, as somebody that once had a podcast, that's one heck of an endeavor, and it's a lot to take on. So major props to both of you guys. Like I said, I'm extremely fortunate to have some awesome people around me and to uh, find myself in a good spot to be able to do what I love. There's uh, there's nothing quite like this sport, and uh, there's a very small amount of people that get it. But uh, I know you guys and all of your listeners are some of the few. So it's an awesome thing. I definitely try not to take it for granted. But, uh, yeah, for sure, if I see you guys out of the race, be sure to come up and say hi. And uh, hopefully I'll see you guys at uh, one of the races one of these weekends. Yeah, absolutely. Let's plan a, let's plan a real Zach attack at one of these races for this year. We'll get the schedules together and we'll uh, figure out one because I think that would be uh, super, super good for both of us. And uh, I think the uh, people on hand would enjoy it as well. Absolutely, man. We'll make it happen for sure. You guys have a great night. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks a lot, Zach. Good night. Take it easy, guys. Later. See. And that was Zach Heron, voice of GNCC, uh, Verb Moto. I mean, music, whatever you need, Zach can get it done, huh, Heavy D? Oh, 100%, man. He just, he has that nagged personality forward and, uh, Man, I'm stoked on everything he's got going on. I, I think it's sweet, and I think it's pretty cool. We got a, a Southeast guy, you know, uh, getting expanded all over the motocross scene, you know, on both sides, GNCC and Moto, and uh, he's doing some stuff with Verb, and uh, he's get to, going to go, going to get to go out to Vegas and, uh, you know, spread some more of that Southeast love, so I couldn't be more stoked for him. Yeah, no, no kidding, and I think that, that it's a good person to have, right? Zach is a good person on and off the mic. You know, we've had plenty of conversations with them, and uh, man, it, you can't get any better than the than the Zach Heron. Um, of course, we talked about the NCMX opening round at Windy Hill uh, this past weekend, and races for this upcoming weekend. Uh, District 13 Motocross, their opening round at Elizabeth City MX, February 10th and 11th. That is this coming weekend, and of course. Upcoming races to look out for uh, February 17th and 18th will be at Dreamville for the NCMX Series round number two. So February 17th and 18th at, out there at Dreamville. And February 24th and 25th, south of the border MX, I believe that is a Loretta Lynn's area qualifier as well. And it is the Mega Series opener. So there is a ton of races happening uh, this month, Heavy D. So there should be no excuse for you riders to go and get some gate drops. Oh, dude, y'all, all you riders out there, go race as much as possible. If there's races going on, go hit them. There's no better practice than gate drops. That's that's what you need. Get that race craft. If you want to race craft, go race. Hit them gates. Got to hit those gates. And there's plenty of racing going on. And very, very often, and it's coming up very, very quick. So, hey, in order to get ready, you got to be ready. So be ready to go race so you can get ready. 
That was pretty good, Heavy D. I liked that. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking in your head, too? You were like, hey, that was pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I was about to pull a Deion, Deion Sanders and say, yes, Lord. That was the one right there. That was it. That's a quote. That was the I was one. About, I, I was about to gas myself up on that Oh, one. man. Oh, man. I tell you what. Talking about some gas uh, from uh, FXR, from high-performance snow right away to motocross uh, gear, FXR has you covered. The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, whatever it is, FXR has you covered. And in my opinion and many other top rider uh, opinions, go and check out the best in sizing, fitting, and venting. For motocross riding gear, that's fxrracing.com. Find them on social media as well, and thanks for their continuing support. And, of course, the brand-new 2024 gear collections are live on the site, so make sure to go and check out all of the new colorways and styles to get you ready for the 2024 season. Also, give FTA, which is Full Throttle Adrenaline, a look at from the FXR guys as well. Phil Nicoletti has been wearing the FTA brand, which is an alternative apparel brand designed to inspire and connect all racers. And of course, the stuff looks good, and you know it's top-notch, especially if it comes from the FXR guys. And let me tell you what, something about Phil. If if he doesn't like it, he ain't wearing it. So you know that the FTA brand is the real deal. PR Motorsports is your newest trackside support trailer at the local races. They ensure you riders get on the gate and continue racing each weekend. If you need anything, find their trailer at the races from tires to engine fixes. PR Motorsports is your trackside support rig for the surrounding area and states. Find them on social media and thanks to Charlie and Justin for all of their help with everyone at the local motocross races here at our local series to keep you guys, of course, out there on the track each time. And let's switch it up, Heavy D. Let's get to the professional side and talk to our second guest of the night. It is rider Gage Lindville. Let's go ahead and get him on the line. Let's do it. Total Control Racing Suspension, Chad Newton. He owned an arena cross team for 10 plus years. And of course he knows his stuff. And throughout the years, he had Luke Neese, Mike McDay, Tyler Bright, Josh Thomas, Kyle Peters, Jacob Hayes, Jim Chester. And of course, many other local legends have trusted Chad with their suspension and AMA motocross, supercross, arena cross, and at the local races. And for professional to amateur, Total Control Racing Suspension has you covered. Go and get your suspension tuned up, get your oil changed, get your seals replaced, and be comfortable on the bike. Contact Chad Newton over there at Total Control Racing Suspension to help you get the comfort you are looking for. And of course, we'd like to thank Total Control for helping us bring in our next guest on the night. It's Dirt Bike Depot, 250 Supercross East rider, Gage Linville, to the podcast. Gage, thanks for coming on. It's been a while. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. This past weekend, of course, was the first race of the East Coast Series for you. Uh, 17th on the night. I know you wanted a little bit more, but now looking back on it, of course, you're with that brand new team, uh, the Dirt Bike Depot. How how was the weekend overall for you? Uh, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say the weekend was definitely a step in the right direction from last year. Um, like you said, we definitely wanted a little more coming coming into it, but yeah, it's a, it's a definitely going to be a stepping stone. Um, I think there was some good stuff about the weekend and some not good stuff. So we'll just kind of go from there and, and try and, and do our best and, and be better at Arlington. Yeah, no, I hear you. And of course, you've been on the Honda for quite a while. Of course, you were with the Firepower team uh, there, of course. And then Atlanta, you got injured. Um, and then I saw you at the last couple of outdoor rounds trying to 
uh, trying to get some points and all of that. Uh, now you're on a gas yeah. gas. How much different is it uh, switching from the Honda over to the gas gas machine? Uh, yeah, I mean, the motors are a little different. You know, they just different power points. But at the end of the day, it's a dirt bike. You know, yeah. you do the same thing on it. Um, pretty much like anything else. So, yeah, I mean, it, I'd say it was a little different, just the feel for the bike and, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's made to go fast on. So it wasn't like it's, uh, you know, a huge, huge difference. Yeah, no, the track, how was how was the track? And of course, you know, it was uh, it was rutted um, and pretty uh sketchy at, at times just really deep ruts and that sort of thing how was it in the main for you honestly for me like the track wise in the main was probably the best it was all night oh uh, really yeah like they flattened not not flattened it but like the rhythms and stuff were they groomed them they did a really nice job with that so it wasn't deep ruts like in the rhythms okay. obviously the turns had some ruts and the whoops got pretty pretty chewed up but like I remember in in the first qualifier session, dude, the track was like that's probably the gnarliest track I've ever ridden. Like really? it was insane. Butts wow. were peg dragging. <laughs> but like even for the heat race, like the heat race was was good, but like it was the ruts that would kind of catch you off guard. Yeah. Um, that kind of be in them. You couldn't like cross over them. And then for the main event, like where they were deep ruts, they took the time and fixed them, and it was like wow, like that's it was nice there wasn't really no ruts uh you could kind of you know angle your bike a little bit better you could go across the track you wasn't kind of stuck in in one lane i got you and tell us about this dirt bike depot team and how it all came together for you to be uh, a part of of this team and tell us a little bit of background about the dirt bike depot um company as a whole yeah so uh max with dirt bike depot he approached me um I honestly don't remember. It was, I don't know, a little bit after the the first or the last outdoor, uh-huh. and we kind of got in talks, and and I didn't know much about him at the time. He told me that last year they did kind of some support stuff, but this year they're they're looking to to take their program to another level, you know, with transport and all the races and stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a great deal for me. There's three other guys on the team that are are really good guys, so. Yeah, you know, he we kind of got that figured out and yeah, I signed with him and and you know, be with him the whole season. I signed a one-year deal with him, so Nice. But yeah, as far as the their stuff goes, if if I'm not mistaken, they do like uh helmets and goggles and, and gear and stuff like that. Okay. Uh like everything to ride, that wise boots, you know, all that stuff. Okay. Nice. So it's not more of a it's not a dealership, it's more of an apparel brand. Yeah, yeah. So they don't do like any bike bike parts or anything. I think they're more of like of an apparel kind of stuff, okay. um, which is great because you know there's a lot of people out there that does bike stuff. So with them just doing strictly gear, like gear, boots, and stuff you need like that, it's it's really good. No, that's awesome. The Imperative MX Podcast episode number thirty five, speaking with Dirt Bike Depot, Gage Linville, brought to you by Chad Newton over there at Total Control Racing Suspension Heavy D. I just want, I, I got one question I've been wanting to know. And <laughs> <laughs> which was gnarlier, the carnage or the track to begin with? Oh, man. To begin with, the track. track was, <laughs> it was like, the court is going first. Like, they chewed the track up so much. Like, it was, it was unreal how bad it was. Not how bad, how gnarly it was, I should say. 
the first time pile up, man, it was just like, you got to be joking. Uh, <laughs> that sucked, but that was, yeah, man. Where, so, you, do you know, coming off of you, basically, what, do you know initially what happened when you got hit? Uh, I, I'm going to probably say no. Like, I, I actually got out of the gate good, so I was like, man, like, I'm in a good spot. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, you can see out of the corner of your eye, it's like I see one person and then, like, two and then three and then nobody's turning and then it's into me. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I try to get up and I'm on the plywood and I'm falling trying to get up. I said, you got to be joking, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here. It's, it's not funny because I don't wish it to find nobody. But what's funny is, like, I guess, like, okay, you, you survived it so you can tell the story. But it's like, <laughs> you, you look out the corner of your eye, and it's like, oh, damn, there go one. Shit, that's two more. Oh, hey. <laughs> I, I'm next. Bam. Next thing you know, you just yeah. with them. You're like, golly. Yeah. And the problem is, like, you see it coming, but you have no time to react. So, like, once I saw him at the corner of my eye, it's like, here, bam, and it happened. Like, it just happened so fast. Yeah. yeah. Then I get it. Then I look back, and, like, I think it was McAdoo and Haymaker down on the start straight. There's, like, six other guys down. I thought, okay, well, we're probably going to get a red flag. But I was wrong. That's crazy that y'all did. Yeah, yeah, were I you thinking kind of, that for that lap, that first lap until you hit the green flag, of course? Were you thinking that it was going to be a red flag? Um, In the back of my head, I definitely thought, because I got up and the two Cali guys were on the start straight, and I got to the next rhythm and they were sealed down and they were flagging. I thought, oh, there's a, there's a good chance they're going to red flag it. Because there's like, I don't know, seven or eight people crashed, and I've seen them red flag for a lot less. And then when they didn't, I thought, wow, like, I was really anticipating the the red flag restart. Right. Were they still down in the corner by the time you got around, or had they already gotten themselves up and going? No. By the time I got to around to them, they were they were already picked up and going. But when I got to the to the next rhythm lane, they were still down. Or I'm not gonna say they. I know one of them was still down. I think it might have been Haymaker because they still had the yellow flags out, right. and I thought, wow, like. Normally they'd red flag it this, especially with this early in the race when it being the first lap. Yeah. Uh, um, and of course that ninety degree left hander. Um, a lot of people on the uh, internet are speculating that those are not good. Um, did you guys think about that before before today, or did that run through your mind at all, or was it just, man, I'm just gonna try to get to that first corner first? Yeah, I mean, I've I I see what you're saying. I've seen people talk about the the ninety left, but. At the end of the day, you have 22 of the best guys going into one turn. Like, it doesn't matter what turn it is. There's a there's a chance of, of it happening. You know, it's like I said, you have 22 guys wanting to be number one, and you're going into a, you know, a third to fourth gear wide open turn. It's, it normally doesn't end. I mean, I'm not going to say it normally doesn't end well, but there's normally some bar bang, and it just depends on how bad. Yeah, and the 450s, right, those guys were able to make through it uh, cleanly as well. Um, of course, they're yeah, you know, they're a little bit smarter and, and have veterans, right? In your class, it's just balls to the wall. Um, you know, yeah, they, I mean, them guys are, what are they, five races in? And, you know, we still have the race jitters. We're trying to get out there and, and be first. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you had an injury uh, after Atlanta, which was actually your 
best finish um, in your career so far. Um, last year, that took you out for a while, of course. Talk about that and the recovery process before the outdoor races you were able to make at the end of the series. Yeah, like like you said, I had an injury in Atlanta. It was actually in, in free practice. We just didn't know to – we thought I'd just jam my thumb and – Man, somehow I ended up getting my best finish there, which which I had some luck. You know, a couple guys went down, but that's racing, so yep. I claim it. And, uh, yeah, we went back, and I want to say maybe Nashville was the next round. We had a week off, if I'm not mistaken. So I went and got it looked at, and actually it, it pulled the ligament from the bone. and I think he called it an avulsion fracture, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. Oh. And luckily he said no surgery, but he's like, hey, like, you're you're pretty much done for the next you know eight eight weeks so i put it into my supercross and then i started on outdoor and uh i have i've never raced a professional outdoor race so you know that was something new but unadillo had some mishaps like leading into the race just just not really a great weekend for me so didn't get into buds i didn't get sign up in time but actually an iron man i made it uh like two or three laps to go in free practice and it was the it was some jump in the back i think it was like a triple into like some rollers or something yeah. and i cased it and re-aggravated it mm-hmm. again so i went to the to the medics and he x-rayed and he he never seen the first x-ray so he was like hey you have an avulsion fracture or it re-aggravated it so like honestly that that race was pretty pathetic for me i just I did what I could, but after like three or four laps, it, the pain was pretty bad. Um, yeah. And honestly, like I went back to my doctor after that and he's like, Hey, you, you reagitated it. You know, it's going to be another four weeks off the bike, but still like, there's still no surgery. Um, but man, even like that was a pre- I suffered. I'm not going to say suffered. I, I dealt with that for honestly, I still deal with a little bit to the day. Like, on the big days, it gets super sore. Yeah. And I went to like therapy and stuff for it. And they say like to wear it done it and take like a, a year. So I won't have any pain. So it's just honestly like rehabbing it and, and getting it used to stuff like that. Right. But I wear a thumb brace when I ride now. So or practice ride when I race and stuff. Yeah. Kind of just supports it out a little bit, but you know, it's just racing stuff happens. Is it on the throttle hand or? Is it on the clutch hand? No, thank God. It's oh, the clutch hand. Yeah, thank God. Jeez, that'd be rough. Trying to wear a brace yeah, and trying to been, throttle, that would be rough. Yeah, and it, it would have been really bad on the throttle hand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might get a little whiskey throttle on some of the places you don't want to, right? So, um, Yeah, I already get whiskey sometimes. I don't need none of that. <laughs> then I don't need any more carnage. <laughs> um, nah. Oh, man. Are you, uh, are you still training down there at MTF? <laughs> No, I actually switched to the to the dog pound now. So I've been okay. here since, well, so honestly, since the last outdoors. After I took four weeks off from my thumb, we came back here and kind of just got back into the groove of it. Then I started Supercross maybe middle of November and just kind of been at it since. I got you. Is everything everything good? Because I know you were you know with MTF for a long time, and of course with that firepower team that's from there. Uh, are we are we good from both sides or? Yeah, absolutely. Everything's good. You know, it's just I've been at MTF for for a very long time. And, you know, maybe it's time for a change to see maybe a change for the better, you know, just just to try something different, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I got you. And and of course, it was just you and Pops at the uh, Outdoor Nationals last year, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> funny story. <laughs> I went through two mechan or one mechanic at the first outdoor, and then I missed buds. I never had. Well, I didn't have a mechanic for buds, and then I got another mechanic for for Iron Man, and he stuck with me for for a while until I made the switch down to the dog compound and. And he had some family stuff, so he went back home. And uh, I had another another mechanic. So nice. Uh, is that? Do you, uh, I know some people say that uh, having a mechanic that knows you well, right, and knows you know how to get you fired up and how to settle you down and that sort of thing. Does that really go into play when you're going to these races? Like knowing your mechanic and knowing that you have kind of the right setup, I guess. Um, going into these races, do you think having a good mechanic behind you? Uh, that knows you is is good for you if that makes sense yeah absolutely i mean honestly you're probably with your mechanic more than more than honestly anybody else so that guy has like he has to know know you i guess is what i'm saying and you want to you want to go to a race knowing hey like my i'm not i don't have a single worry about this bike like it's gonna run good everything's tight you don't want second thoughts of man did, did he put gas in it did he check tire pressure and and obviously like any mechanic should that's at the at the professional level should be, like be like that but you know it still runs through the back of your head and and yeah like a mechanic like my mechanic now i've been with him for which i've known him for 10 11 years and, okay and he can kind of tell like the nerves when they hit me and he knows how to calm it down a little bit so so yeah it's it's definitely nice having somebody who who you can trust and and knows you like that no i agree the imperative mx podcast episode number 35 speaking with Dirt Bike Depot, Gage Linville, brought to you by Total Control Racing Suspension, Heavy D. Yeah, how, so, I mean, I know you said it's good for a change, which it is, but how is the dog pound compared to MTF? Because, like, a lot of people, I don't think people, a lot of people realize, like, how gnarly MTF is. Like, dude, I know just from the amateur days, it was a grind, like, you would go through bikes like no other. It's like, is dog pound kind of like that as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, NTF was, they was more of like a, a training facility, if that makes sense, where here it's yeah. kind of, it's not like a, a training facility, I guess. It's more of, uh, you know, you kind of, you can do what you want to do, I guess. Right. Uh, or you can bring in trainers and stuff like that, but it's not like a trainer that trains everybody. Yeah. So if you want to ride for one hour, or you want to ride for six hours. Like you, you have your your freedom to do your own thing. Um, where NTF was more of like they ha they have trainers and stuff like that. So, but no, I mean it's it's definitely gnarly. I think that anywhere you go at at a professional level, trying to be trying to be the best guy, it's gonna be gnarly. Whether you're at you know MTF, Dog Pound, or or wherever. Yeah, because dude, I know like. When I was there several times, I was like, dude, this is, this is gnarly. Like, you really got to want to, like, like, there, if you want to succeed, you got to have your, your your heart in the right place, per se. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of like <laughs> this place, too. Like, where MTF, like like I said, when they have the trainers here, you know, there's there's a trainer if you want to use him. If not, you, doesn't, you don't have to. But, like it's you got to be in it. That's for sure. Like you, your heart has to be in it to to want to be the best and and succeed. That's good though. I mean, it's good you got a different change of scenery. I mean, you were in MTF a long time. I mean, 
it's it's several like that I can name you, Smitty. Um, who else? It's more than that. Oh, there, there's so there's so many of us, yeah. And, and like I said, nothing against MTF. MTF was was great to me. I, I won a lot of championships with MTF, but you know, it's just I've been there for so long, and I got I mean, comfortable for sure. But maybe it was just time for a change to see to see how I do here, you know. And I, especially riding with the the two best guys day day in and day out, you know, them guys could go out and and pretty much win on any given night. So. And they and they help out a good a good bit with some tips and stuff like that. Right, right. That's, That's good. Cool. So That's they're good. so they're welcoming of um someone like you and your caliber to come in and they're willing to uh show some things and uh give you some insight. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if he sees not that you're doing something wrong, but like if you could do something better, like he'll just stop you and tell you, Hey, you know, try this or or even the dad, Dazzy, he helped me out with some different bars and like bar position and stuff like that nice uh does the uh dirt bike depot do they allow you to run what you want or do they have some companies underneath them that they uh gotta use like for handlebars or anything like that or are you kind of able to pick what you want yeah so so they have some a, a good bit of companies that help and support us like um levers and, and bars and chain sprockets and pegs and stuff like that okay. um which luckily everything that that helped the team i've i've ran before and i like okay uh, cool. yeah but that i mean that that worked out actually really really good yeah because i know that you guys really like uh comfort i've heard a lot of privateers that were on teams previous that had to use um you know certain bars or mounts or clamps or whatever right but they're so used to another brand uh, where they were so comfortable on that. So I bet you that did had to feel good uh, going into the season, knowing that you have stuff that you're comfortable with already on this uh, new machine pretty much for you, right? So um, I bet that had to yeah, feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm not a very picky rider at all. So, okay. I mean, I can, I can run whatever. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it is nice having the, the same stuff that you practice on. You race on, set up the same. So yeah. that's definitely a plus. Uh, do you like this break that you guys are having, or would you want to be lining up this weekend to go racing? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm honestly good with with either. Uh, I I think now that we're in the break, it, it's good. Um, I can kind of work on some things with my with my trainer Ezra Lusk. So nice, he's been helping me out, so we can uh, kind of see what we did wrong this weekend and and try to build on it during the break. So yeah. that'll be uh, so yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, so uh, man, I didn't know that you were working with Ezra. How's how's uh, how's you know working with him? How's how's that been going for you? Yeah, it's it's been good. Uh, he's been down. I think I've had maybe four or five, maybe six weeks with him, and he's going to stay down here this week and up until round two, and then come come after that too. So yeah, it's been nice. it's definitely been good. You know, just as a former racer and champion like he is, the way the way he sees things is is next level. You know, nice. he. He helps out a bunch as far as like line choice, you know, how to ride your motorcycle. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot different than I'm not gonna say than I than I ride it. It's just a different a different point of view, you know, from right. a, a champion's point of view and and how he sees things, you know. So yeah, yeah it's been great. That's gotta have you some confidence in the back of your mind moving forward that you have somebody like that in your corner that uh, you're able to you know, call or talk to on race day that is able to even help you out there. Does he go to some of these races? I haven't been to any Supercrosses yet this year, so 
Um, has he been going to these races, or are you just able just to call him if you need him? Yeah, he, he went to Detroit. Um, cool. He, he helped me out a good bit in Detroit, just kind of – I'd walk up in the stands after – I think it might have been after the first qualifier, and he told me everything I did wrong and uh, what I needed to fix and change, and and we kind of went from there. But as far as the rest of the rounds, uh, I'm not 100% sure yet. We haven't even really talked about it. But, okay. I mean, he's one of them guys you could just call on the phone and, and he could tell you, hey, you know, I can see I can see the track and I can see what you're doing wrong right. without even looking at it. So No, that's cool. Um, any other questions, Heavy D, for Gage before we let him go for tonight? Oh, no, no. We're, we're good. Uh, Gage, I appreciate you coming on once again, of course, friend of the pod, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you get you going. And of course, I'm you know one last question. Then, uh, what's your goal for the uh, for the entire series? Planning on uh, doing the Super Motocross at the end and getting into points for that, of course. But what's your goal for uh, for Supercross to beat that 13th overall? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think at this level, the goal is you know to to by the end of the season be in the top 10. Um, we had a little lesser goal going into round one. You know, I would have took the around the 13th mark, but unfortunately the first turn crashed. But yep. no, I mean, I think I'm more than capable of, of being right around the top 10 in the top 10 mark. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the be the goal for, for the rest of the season starting in Arlington. Awesome. Be on the lookout for the number 602 on that gas gas machine. Gage Linville. Gage, appreciate you coming on to the podcast, and I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Not a problem. See you later. Yeah. And that was Dirt Bike Depot's Gage Linville here on the Imperative MX podcast number 35 or episode number 35, I should say. And man, I tell you what, I did not know that he made the switch down there to the dog pound and working with, of course, the Lawrence brothers and Ferrandis and working with Ezra Lusk. Man, I think this is a uh, good improvement and a big improvement for him. Uh, moving into this year. What you think, Heavy D? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that either. I mean, I think that's pretty sweet, you know. He's, uh, you know, he's been M- MTF for a long time. Yeah. MTF is great. That's awesome, you know. But like I say, sometimes it's best to, you know, make a change, switch it up, and, and do something different. And there's never anything wrong with that because sometimes, you you know, you can get a little too comfortable in one spot and yeah. get in that routine where it's just, it's just, a, it's just a routine, you know. Sometimes right. you got to switch it up and you know and see what helps up your game right exactly and you know you can just get uh so comfortable like you said at one spot that you know you know exactly what you're doing on this day you know how much work you got to do to put in you know for this but man those guys they want more right and so sometimes if you want more and you truly want it then sometimes you know the grass is greener on the other side and it seems like for gauge it's working in that direction of course you know he wants to better that 17th of course but Man, for a, for a thirteenth in this in this uh, two fifty East class is going to be tough, but I believe if he has a good good round, I believe that he could do it for sure. Um, I, he's got great people behind him. It seems like this team is willing to help him out. He's got a great trainer, so uh, be on the lookout for him. Oh yeah, absolutely, and uh, I can't wait. You know, I wish he was lining back up again this weekend. You know, it's, I think it's weird they. They got to come race one round, and then they got to wait a couple more rounds before they race again. But, yeah. hey, I mean, it's it's one of those things, you know. Um, they got to kind of feel each other out for one round and see what the competition is like, and now they get to go back to the drawing board and see what they all need to do. Yeah, see, I can see it from both sides, right? Like, 
You want to see what you did right and what you did wrong from round one, and now you got time to fix those uh, wrongs and make those rights even better, right? Um, but then again, you might want to just go and race again because you might have found something, you know, this week that you could have been like, man, this would have really helped me out or, um, you know, have obviously a little bit more luck. Of course, we'll talk about the professional side with our Trey Steyer here in, here in a minute. But, um, yeah, you got to think that these guys are probably 50-50 going in uh, to this weekend for those East Coast round guys because they're like, well, I have now – you know, three weeks off pretty much until our next round and for a racer. What would you, what, what would your mindset be heavy D? Would you be happy about this or would you uh, be pissed that you're not going to go race this weekend? Or does it just re just come down to what your results were and you kind of base it off that? I mean, I, I, for me, you know, I'm like, I see it from both sides, but I think it's, I would probably be kind of pissed just because, you know, well, I also got, I got to rethink it as well, too. It's the scenarios would be different just because, I mean, you think that from a professional standpoint and uh, like an amateur standpoint, the mindset would probably be different just because, I mean, you know, maybe some guys like they would probably like that break just because like, you know, of racing all the time, but then again, when you hadn't raced in so long, and then you get to race, and then you got to take another break. I I wouldn't like it personally, just because like once it's race time, like once you get in the groove of racing, I, I like to race. That's just me. Yeah, I like I love racing. So I think it's one of those things you you get more of a groove when you get when you get to racing. So if you start off kind of bad or start off good, or if your person that needs to that needs a few rounds before they can get going. Yeah, it's it probably would throw you off a bit, but me personally, I, I would I I wouldn't like it just because I would want to be racing this weekend. Yeah, no, and I agree. I I think I'm more on the I would much rather be racing right because these guys have had such a long off season already, and then they get kind of like a teaser, pretty much just going out there and racing one round, and then you got to wait for three weeks to go and race your next round. Um, but I can see both sides from the racers, right? Like depending on how they did on the night could affect you know the which you know which way they want to go of course um silver valley mx park heavy d tell me about it uh, the only local national the gnarliest the fastest the sickest the sweetest the best and the only one on the east coast silver valley the only local national and you don't want to miss it ever Nope. In October, of course, they will have their $20,000 AB shootout, and you guys do not want to miss out on that one. I will be there on hand once again to call all of the racing action and wake you guys up bright as shit early in the morning, ready to go for some racing. And, uh, man, we're going to have a good time. We always have a good time down there at Heavy D each year we go, huh, Heavy? Oh, I, oh absolutely, man. It's, it is a ball every year we go. And Man, I'm looking forward to be even bigger and better this year, so I cannot wait. Hydropower. Hydropower is formulated by a sports nutritionist himself to help you eliminate arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. Make sure to go and check out drinkhydropower.com to get your Blue Raz today or any of the other flavors that they have available. Go and check out the website. Check out their reviews. 
from riders just like yourself. This stuff works. Heavy D knows. I know. I should have brought it when I went to go and ride at 421 this past weekend because after two laps, I could have needed it. I had a little bit of arm pump. You know, you go out there on the track, you ain't, you ain't feel the throttle in a while, and you just want to hammer down. Well, I hammered down for two laps and got myself tired for the day and could have used some hydropower, Heavy D. It should have had it in my cup, should have had it in the truck, but I missed out on a great opportunity. Hey, you know what? We're just going to have to make a, a special little cabinet in the truck to keep that hydropower in so it's always on deck. That's right. And if you guys want to get some hydropower for yourself, the link is in the description of this podcast for 10% off your next purchase of any hydropower product. So make sure to go and check it out. And Heavy D, let's get to the professional side with our Trey Steyer, and we're going to go ahead and get him on the line. Let's do it. Now on the line, our Trey Steyer, doing all the writing and all of the articles over there on the imperativemx.com website. Trey, great to have you on for another week. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me once again. Yep, not a problem. Man, I tell you what, this past weekend's Detroit, the long-haired West Virginia man got the predictions right. He even texted me after the main event just to let me know that the long-haired man called it on the podcast, but uh, Jet Lawrence ended up taking the win in the 450 main event, of course, and Austin Fortner grabbed his 13th win. Um Man, what a challenging track uh, for these guys, Trey. I mean, the, the track was demanding all day, all the way up into the main events. And I wouldn't say it was survival of the fittest, but, man, it was a rough race course for those guys out there. Definitely. Um, probably the shortest track. We've, well, it is the shortest track we've had this season. It might be one of them all year. and. The reason I think it was so tricky is because it broke down so fast. You know, I looked at when I was writing my Unsung Heroes 450 article today, I seen they did like 28 laps or something around there in the main event, which is crazy for Supercross levels. Um, It was definitely an interesting, you know, the 450 class sort of tame for what it has been the last few weeks. I mean, there was definitely some storylines and some other stuff happening, but the 250 class really came out and was the entertainment of the day. But I called something for once. I had to, <laughs> I had to toot my own horn a little bit. Sometimes I'm good at predictions, but the other 85% of the time I'm completely wrong. So yeah, I was happy that I got that done on Saturday. Yeah, and we'll get to get to my pick in the 250. It wasn't. It was not even close. He was the bowling ball in this in this whole thing uh, for the carnage that obviously happened in the first corner. We'll get to that here shortly. But Heavy D, what do you think about the uh, the track for this Detroit Supercross? Kind of a little different than we've seen in years past, huh? I mean, yeah, it definitely was, man. Oh, shout out to Trey for calling that. Because soon as Jet won, I was like, Trey called that, like. <laughs> Like it wasn't nothing. He literally just—I I was wondering if he like tech, said anything and text you if he just kept it humble pie and was like not saying anything. He—he uh, uh, he called Fortner and Jet to win, and of course they both—they both ended up winning. So 
He was like, yep, the 20-year-old 20, 20 West Virginia long-haired man ended up getting both predictions right. <laughs> Which that is sick, though. I, like, I was like, oh, man, that's crazy. But, you know, it's, it, it was different, man. It was just – I think how gnarly it was, it was just a bit too short. Because, I mean, you think about this. All right, if it was that short and they did 28 laps on a gnarly track, they would probably did probably – I want to say 31 if the track wasn't that gnarly. So that's pretty insane. Yeah. No, and I, I agree 100%. And, um, man, it was a – of course, it was the opening round for the 250 Supercross East, and we'll get to those guys in a minute. But like I said, Jet Lawrence comes out swinging, qualified second um, behind AP. But, man, he was able to get the job done, Trey. And like you said, you, he needed a bounce-back weekend, and he got it done this weekend. He did exactly what he needed to. He was up front all day, practice, heat race, main event. That's what he needed. He needed to get out front, get a good start, and stay there. And, you know, he executed that flawlessly. That's what he needed to kind of get back into this thing. I mean, he was far from out of it. He was only six points down or whatever going into the race but now he's only one point out of the lead i think and it really turns things around you know every week it's kind of been a little bit of a different shift you know anaheim won everybody's like oh here we go 17 now you know after the success he had outdoors last year and in super motocross then there was a couple races of course the mutter you can't really tell but there's been a lot of momentum swings this year and Jet Lawrence might not be a guy they want to give momentum to because we've seen what he can do. If he can keep getting good starts, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him rattle off several wins in a row or at least several in a few race span. You know, if he goes like four for five or something in this next stretch because he gets good starts and gets out front, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Heavy D, are we at start cross, which – you know, whoever gets the, the whole shot is going to kind of run away uh, with this, or is the class so deep that, um, you know, some of these guys are able to actually come through the pack, or do we, or, or are we just on the start cross thing where it's just one rider that gets to start and kind of takes off? I, I want to say start cross, but then again, I, I want to put it like this, and, and it kind of made me realize a little even more this past race. And here's the problem. The thing is, even if Jet, I, I'm going to say it like this, because I'm not trying to say I'm on the Jet train, but it's one of those things. He he hasn't, he, he's not that rider as in, in the mud he was. I ain't going to say he was super comfortable in the mud, but he had, he isn't, he isn't comfortable with getting uncomfortable. He's going to, he's going to ride the pace he needs to, to go win. It, per se. So, like, right now, like, when everybody else is laying down when he's out front, like, you know, Tomac wasn't feeling it, so he laid back. Like, Sexton, the week before, Sexton wasn't feeling it, so he let him by. They're doing that early in the season right now, but he, if he rattles off more wins, like Trey says, then it's going to be a bad day for everybody, because they can't continue. All these guys can't continue to feel uncomfortable when he's when he's consistently comfortable. Yeah. So if he if he starts around that top five range and you got guys still in the club, it's not going to be a start. He he'll go past. He'll figure out how to go past. Him. 
Yeah, so these guys are starting to get worried about this Jet Lawrence kid then. I mean, I, they need to. I mean, they shouldn't be – it shouldn't be one of those things where they're just letting them win or saying, you know, I wasn't feeling it, so we're just going to stay in there. Like, you can't continue to do that, like, in my opinion. Like, I mean, I feel like Cooper's good, you know. Tomac will get back to his ways. I'm not sure about Sexton. Like, that's one of those things, like, right now, like, I know you're sitting in second, but – Man, you you got to go out there and start trying to rip off some wins or something. Like, I ain't gonna lie, it, it's to me, it's, it's getting kind of boring just seeing Jet win because nobody else is. It's like, oh, I'm not comfortable, or we'll we'll get it next weekend. Like, it's getting pretty boring to me. So Chase Sexton ends up grabbing the red plate after Detroit with his second place finish behind Jet. Um, is Jet or I'm sorry, it's Chase playing the long game here, Trey, in your opinion? I think so. Um, he's definitely been more consistent this year. We haven't seen the mistakes and stuff creep in yet. And, you know, real quick, just to touch on the start cross thing, I don't think that the series is turning into start cross yet, but I think with the short length of the track on Saturday, and, you know, how it broke down so fast, I think maybe it was an example. I don't think we're going to see that, you know, the rest of the season per se. But I feel like Saturday was an example of that because, you know, you had a short 43 to 45 second lap time track and it broke down so quick. And, you know, if you got track position and got out front, you could just kind of settle in and ride your own pace and stay out there. And, you know, Chase being consistent is a great sign for him. Obviously, there was a lot of questions in the offseason with the switch to the bike and him last year, you know, going down at random times. And he's really proving a lot of people wrong. Um, it's far from saying he's a championship favorite right now because, once again, there's still not anybody that's broke out and been that top guy. But he just needs to continue getting on the podium, being up front. He's had a couple of kind of bad rounds but so is everybody else so that's balanced things out and when he's been solid he's been on the podium just about every time and you know that's that's where he deserves to be obviously he's clearly talented he puts the work in and i don't think any of us are really surprised by it he's back in the points lead now this is the third different time he's had the red plate i think because he had it after or he had it for A1 since he was a defending champion. He had it after San Francisco when he won there. And now he has it for the third time. And I think that's going to give him a little bit more confidence too because he's been able to see what his competition is doing. Everybody's kind of fluctuating around these spots. They had a graphic on the show Saturday afternoon, and it was a chart of like the top – five or six guys in points. I don't know how many it showed, but just up and down and up and down. It looked like they were trying to make some court, some kind of drunk staircase or something from all the guys going back and forth, trades and finishes with each other. And Chase just has to keep being consistent. And, you know, with Jets' speed, but Jets' inexperience, that could bite you. You look at years past, obviously, this isn't going to be as an extreme example of this, but what uh, Ricky Carmichael did with James Stewart back in the day. 
James was the faster guy. James would win a lot of races, but there was also the chance that he'd go down or something would happen. And Ricky would use those seconds or those thirds if Chad would get in the mix. And then he would win the nights that James would have problems. So for Chase, he just has to keep staying up front and he's got to make sure to limit the mistakes and capitalize when Jet or the other guys have mistakes of their own. And I... I, I I don't think we have seen the raw speed uh, from Sexton yet. Um, I think he's going to eventually get this bike working to where he can push those uh, those boundaries a little bit because I don't think we've seen the fastest of Chase Sexton yet. Um, but good points on, on that, Trey. I, I agree and, um, and see what you're saying and – and I believe that he is going to get better as the season goes. And, yeah, stay consistent, right? That's the name of the game. It's a long series, 17 rounds. We're only five rounds down. Um, he's got the red plate. And, uh, yeah, just keep putting in consistent finishes and see where the cards fall uh, by the time we get to Salt Lake City. And the fastest rider that maybe has not gotten, the, gotten a win yet, but he was able to grab a podium, was the number 94, Ken Roxon, on the night. Uh, but you can't get a win if you start ninth, Heavy D. Yeah, no, nah, that's that's gonna be tough. I think he definitely has the speed too. He just he has to get his starts a little bit more dialed because man, it's that's one of those things. Um, dude, the field is so deep right now. You can't really afford to start back that far and try to fight through the pack to get up front and expect to win. You gotta. Right now, you got to start up front to win or, or get yourself in that position, you know, to fight. And I honestly feel like if Roxon got up there off that start, he would fight to get 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 wins. Like he, I don't think he would just lay back and you know take those podiums and and just try to be there. I think he he really wants to win. So I think if he actually got up there, he 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 he'd show like, hey, I'm still I'm still a front runner. I'm still a contender. And uh, I can I can rip off wins and be there for the championship. Rocks and Trey. I agree a lot with what Heavy D said. If he gets the starts, he's been he's been very fast this year. Quite possibly the fastest guy in the class, but he's just had such a varying degree of luck and with starts and other things that he really hasn't been able to show it in the main event fully. But he just needs to get the starts, and he'll be up there. Obviously, him charging through the pack is a great sign. It shows how competitive it is. And when you have so many former champions and guys who have won a ton of main events in the class, to be able to ride through those guys and get up past a bunch of people, that is a huge sign for Ken Roxon. That's got to make him confident. When you're passing Webb and Anderson and Tomac in a main event, I mean, you're passing some of the baddest dudes you've ever raced this sport. So that's got to give Roxon a little bit of confidence, and it's only a matter of time before he wins, in my opinion. Obviously, Indianapolis is coming up in a month or so. That's where he won at last year, and you know we're going to be going to some other venues that he's won at before. This is a guy who's ran in the premier class for a decade. He's very experienced, so I think he's just going to keep getting stronger. Obviously, he has a year under his belt with the Suzuki. He just keeps growing in confidence and comfortability with that and you know it wouldn't surprise me to see him on the top step of the podium anytime soon north carolina native cooper webb uh grabs a fourth on the night when starting 12th 
Trey, that's that's tough. Obviously, just kind of like Kenny, when you don't get a good start, um, you can't work, you can't get all the way up there to the front. But going from twelfth, having that uh, unbelievable battle with Anderson there, and was able to able to get him uh, there for that fourth place position on the night. But that was a good salvage ride out of the champion Cooper Webb. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh, you were talking to me, weren't you? Uh, did I not say who I was? I was gonna, I was gonna throw at the tray. My fault. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't hear him, and I was, it was just like, I was going. I didnn't hear a name either yeah, myself. My, my fault, maybe my I zoned out for okay. a second. <laughs> my fault. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my my fault. Bad, uh, bad podcaster, bad host, bad host. No, you uh, go, 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 go ahead, Trey. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, I thought Saturday was going to be a really Cooper Web style race. You know, a lot of times we talk about when it gets rutted, when it gets chewed up, he'll sweep to the inside of the corners and make ground on a bunch of people. And it was, it was kind of a weird day for him. Webb's not really known for his qualifying speed, and he goes out and he's top of the board in the first session, or a little bit of it at least. And he comes out, he's leading the heat race, he's up front and then tucks it in the sand, goes down, and then comes back to fifth. And bad start in the main event, but he falls through the pack and was – it was a very weird day for Webb. I feel like, you know, with the conditions and with how he's won several races in the past, that it should have played into his hands a little more. But obviously you can't start mid-pack and win with these racers, like MVD said about Roxon, and you can apply that to any of these guys. Nobody's going to come around the first corner in 15th or even 12th or wherever Webb was and be able to win. But he's still right up there in the thick of things. He's not that far out of it. Once again, we're still we still have like five guys within ten, twelve points of each other. Yep. No one has broke free from the pack yet. And for Webb, he's just gotta be there. We know how tenacious he is. We know that he likes to play the mind games. And if he can stay in there and stay in the fight these next few rounds, he's only going to get stronger, both physically on the bike and mentally. You know, we talk a lot about Sexton and his bike change, but this is a lot different for Webb, too. Going from the KTM that he had so much success on, sure, he's going back to Yamaha, but it's a completely different bike than what he had when he was on the factory team. He's probably very grateful for that. But, you know, for him... He's just got to do like all these other guys, be up front consistently, get podiums, get a win or two when you need to and when you can, and just be there in the thick of things. With Webb's experience and his uh, his previous experience from being a champion and being in the championship fight, I think he's really best suited to maybe make a charge at this. You know, he's not very far out of it. And if he can just stay there and start chipping away at those guys, it could be a problem. Yeah, web heavy D. Yeah, dude. Like, I agree with what Trey said. He honestly said it best, man. It's like, uh, it's one of those deals. Like, he is best suited for it because his mental game is strong, man. That's like he thrives in those moments. It's like he looks forward to it to see if you're going to crack or. It, how, how long you'll hold up before you'll just give in and he, he knows he has you for good because it's one of those things, man. Once he knows he has you, he's going to take advantage of you as long as he can. <laughs> and 
Yeah, no, he uh, he's one of those that definitely will not let anybody go away, especially towards the end of that race. Um, and I hope we get to see uh, Cooper Webb come up um, on a, you know, on a Jet Lawrence or a Sexton or even a Roxon. Uh, you know, he digs deep there at the end. Another rider who, of course, digs deep is the number 21 of Jason Anderson in that fifth place position on the night. He starts fourth, but he ends up getting passed by Coop there late. Like I said, uh, the finish in that fifth place position. Um, I thought he was one of the faster riders that could have maybe, uh, won on this night. Um, but he, uh, finishes out fifth on the night and, you know, he's, uh, quite a handful of points back from the top four of Sexton, Lawrence, Plessinger and Webb. But, uh, what'd you think about the number 21 El Hombre's um, race on Saturday night, Trey? Um, Anderson was kind of quiet on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, whatever. He was solid. He was good all day, but he wasn't quite at the speed of Jet or Webb in the qualifying sessions and was just a little bit off the top guys, which obviously the main event, I think the start made a ton of difference, but you know, at the end of the day, fifth isn't bad either. He's still fairly close to this title fight, not quite in the Sexton Lawrence Webb Plessinger range, but he's still not far away. He's still running up front, finishing on the podium a lot, getting top fives and He's still right in the thick of things. I don't think uh, I don't think he necessarily wanted that fifth place on Saturday, but at the same time, he could have made it worse. You know, if he would have got a worse start, if he would have went down somehow, I think that Jason just needs to get up front. He needs to grab a couple wins. You know, we talk about all these guys. They a lot of these guys need to win, but. Anderson, I think, is getting in that territory, and Roxon is in the same boat, where these guys are going to have to start winning a race or two here and there, or getting on the podium every week if they want to have a shot at this title. Because if you start losing points to Jet and Sexton every week, if they start making runs at the podiums or Webb too, you know they're going to be out of it pretty soon. So they got to start getting up on that top step or on the box every week, or they're going to start losing touch and slipping away from the championship fight. Yeah, Anderson, Heavy D? Yeah, I, um, I just want to see Anderson be more consistent. His speed is definitely there, you know. He, he's always got that dog in him. I just want to see him be consistently good. I want to see him – I want him to really, really, really want this championship. Because like Trey said, he – they can't just keep losing points to Sexton and, and, and Lawrence uh, week in and week out and expect to still be in the championship fight. It's just not going to work like that. These guys are going to have to really start, you know, putting more forth and, uh, you know, the consistency to get out there and uh, get some wins to actually be uh, in this fight in the championship at the end. And uh, Anderson is definitely one of those dudes. He can do it. It's just the fact that you know, actually uh, going and doing it. Yeah, and the points leader coming into Detroit, of course, the number seven of Aaron Plessinger. Um, man, just a just a rough start, but he might have been the underrated ride throughout the main event because he had to work through a lot of a lot of good and top guys, of course, to get to the back of uh, Jason Anderson there by the end. Um, 
But man, he was able to fight through the pack and shows that I, th I believe he's for real. Trey, what's your opinion on uh, Plessinger's ride from Detroit? Yeah, the start of the main event definitely hurt him. I mean, I'm I'm not sure if he could have been a podium guy with Jet and Chase's start, and then you combine that with Ross and him moving up the way he did. But Aaron's looking good. This is definitely a different Aaron than what we've seen the past couple of years. And obviously, that was an evolution from what we've seen the first two years when he was in the 450 class. But for him to be able to ride through the pack and salvage a sixth place, you know, you, you name all the other guys that were in front of him, and you're like, well, that's not too bad of a race, even if he did get a bad start, even if he did lose the red plate. I mean, all the guys he's losing to are the absolute best of the best. And for him, he just needs to be a consistent top five guy. You know, we've seen Aaron have flashes. He's had podium rides before. He's been up there, but it seems like, you know, a couple races he'll be second or third, but then he'll be seventh or eighth before that. And that's one thing that he really needs to cut out if he wants to be a contender for the championship. You know, last year, if he gets a 15th place start or wherever he was at, I mean, there's a chance he ends up ninth, tenth, somewhere around there. But I think he has more confidence this year. He's growing into a more uh, well-rounded 450 rider, I think. And he just needs to continue beating the guys he should beat. But he also has to put himself ahead of some of those guys. Obviously, Saturday didn't go quite according to plan. But at the end of the day... For him to be sixth and him to still be in the thick of the championship fight five races in, that's not really a place I don't think many people expected of him. I know a lot of people wanted to see him win and take that next step, but with the amount of people who have won championships and won races in the class, I don't think that people would have really expected that. So for him to be in the fight, we're approaching the sort of the middle parts of the season. We're about a third of the way through the series. And for him to still be in the thick of things is a great sign of his growth and a great sign for him, you know, possibly continuing for a title. Yeah, and fastest qualifier on the day as well. So he showed that he had speed. Plessinger, Heavy D? Honestly, I'm not a lot too. Trey couldn't have said it any better. He honestly said about <laughs> 75% of what I was about to say, he put it out there. Yeah. yeah. No, that's. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think it is a really, really big weekend for uh, all of these guys, right, that we just talked about inside the top six. And even you can throw a, um, you know, an Eli Tomac in there, of course, because, you know, he had an off night. We'll get to him in just a second. But those top six guys all have a reason to go out there and make a statement this coming weekend in, uh, in Arizona. I think that this is a very big weekend for these guys to – um, put their stamp on who is going to be contending for this title, right? We talk about Sexton. We talk about the non-winners of Roxton and Anderson, um, you know, but we need, you know, we need to see who's going to, um, you know, who's going to rise to the top here and, and kind of take control of this thing and kind of hold it by the horns, as they would say. Um, Ferrandis, another sneaky, great ride out of uh, Dylan Ferrandis there, getting seventh on the night. Uh, Trey. 
I know you talked about him again in your 450 Unsung Heroes. Uh, talk to us about Ferrandis on the night. Or on the day, I should say, because it was a day race. <laughs> Man, Ferrandis. I'm running out of things to say about Ferrandis because he's, he's a broken record, but in a good way every week. You know, he's been, he'll have a top 10 ride. He'll battle with factory guys and finish really well. I don't, I don't have too much to say because it's been kind of the same thing every week. In a series that has been kind of unpredictable, I think we're going to start evening things out and figuring out which guys are the championship contenders and which guys aren't here starting this week probably because Detroit was fairly normal compared to the first few rounds, at least for the 450s. Dylan is solid. The, the offseason move to Phoenix Honda has paid off, and he's beating a lot of guys that people probably wouldn't have expected him to beat in preseason, but he's proving why he's a former motocross champion, why he's one of the best in the world. I agree. And, of course, uh, Tomac slipping backwards after that great start that he had, and we thought that he was going to be up there towards the front, looks over as he's drifting back, and Dylan Ferrandis on that Phoenix Honda is passing right by him. Um, had to probably feel pretty good for Dylan and probably not so good for Tomac, of course, but Ferrandis on the night, Heavy D? Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm stoked on Ferrandis, man. He's actually, dude, he's riding good, man, especially with that new Phoenix Honda team. And, man, they just keep getting better and better. And, of course, I mean, he he's not going to have the most consistent results, especially right now with the tracks and different variations we had of, you know, different mud races like slight mud, you know, sloppy mud, good solid track, gnarly track, you know, it's, it's it's been different learning processes, which, in my opinion, has been a good thing, especially if these guys plan on uh, uh plan on being together long term. You know, and proceeding, they get the uh, he's learning the bike. They learn him, and the adjustments is going to be need to be made for um future references and races to come. So, I mean, I honestly love what he's doing right now, and uh, honestly, I don't think you can really ask for any more out of him or the team. Of course, you want to see him win, and he's capable of that. But being with a new team, uh, yeah, they had a solid offseason, but we all know practice and racing is, is two totally different things. And for him to go out there, like I say, and do what he's doing, you really couldn't ask for any more, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, I bet nobody had Ken Roxon and Dylan Ferrandez being tied for seventh in points after round number five in their bingo card. I can probably guarantee you that. So uh, great showing out of Ferrandez, of course. Uh, Justin Cooper had a had a good ride, qualifying third on the ninth. Uh, started in sixteenth and worked his way up uh, to ninth. Pretty quiet ride for him, but um, I believe that that's a good step in the uh, in the right direction uh, for Justin Cooper on the day. A lot of pos positives that he can uh, take away from Detroit. Trey. Yeah, he's been one that surprised me. Um, the finishes, I think, are pretty relative to where I expected him to be, but him showing the speed and the flashes of that, I really didn't get that from him in the 250 class. I know he was the fastest qualifier a lot, especially outdoors in the 250 class, but, you know, it's been well documented over the last decade that most people believe and the results are there to prove that the Star Yamaha is the best bike in the class. And moving up to the 450, I mean, I thought he would be solid, but I thought he would be kind of unspectacular, 8-12 to 12 guy, and 
you know, that's where he's finishing, but he's also shown a lot more speed than I expected out of him. And that's a good sign for him. You know, we could get later on in the season and he might start breaking into the top five. But now with, with the amount of experience and the top guys in the field, I really don't think that's possible as of now. But if he can just keep stacking top tens and keep running up front and qualifying, that's going to keep giving him confidence and giving him time to grow with the bike as well. He just has to keep clicking good races off and putting it in the main event, and he'll be good to go the rest of the season. The number 32, Heavy D? Yeah, I think um, for Justin, his speed, he, he has, like, he has the speed to run up front. I think it's just being able to gain that consistency and consistency in what, what's the other word, experience. And being able to run that pace the whole entire time, you know, he showed that, you know, I can go out here and throw down a fast lap time, no problem. But can you do that for, you know, 20 whole minutes on a gnarly supercross track or and in the heat of a battle with uh, these guys? So I think he, he's definitely on the right track. Um, if he can get up there, you know, uh, in the main event and uh, consistently, I feel like if he can get in that top five consistently and consistently, and try and run that pace the whole entire race and and, and build that camaraderie and, and and strength over time, he'll definitely be someone to reckon with, reckon with. I agree. And his teammate, the number three of Eli Tomac, he might have had one of his uh, worst drop-back races that we have seen in recent years. Of course, I think, I think this is probably one of the standout ones, even worse than Tampa last year where he finished, I think, fifth or seventh or somewhere in that range and we were kind of all freaking out like oh what happened to Tomac but this time he started third and went all the way back to 10th uh, of course Jeremy Coker came out and spoke with uh, Racer X and Weege and all of those guys and let them know that it was a back shock issue that gave him uh, some arm pump but man that was that was not good uh, for the number three of Eli Tomac Trey no we've seen this out of Eli, it hasn't been extreme in the last few years, especially it was like 2017, 2018, those first couple of years on Kawasaki when he was up front. He'd win races and win races and win races and then be eighth or ninth. And it was weird seeing him slip so far back. You know, there was a couple of times last year, Indianapolis was the one I was thinking of where he kind of faded back a little bit, but... Once he started third, I'm like, well, here we go. Tomac will get a solid podium or, you know, be top five. And then he just kept dropping and dropping. Um, one of my buddies in a group chat that we're in, he made a joke, you know, off of uh, if anybody has ever seen Cars 3 right before McQueen's big crash when the announcer goes, McQueen's fading, McQueen's fading fast. And it, it was weird. It seemed like that's what was happening with Tomac. You know, obviously we didn't know the extent of the bike problem or whatever else was going on, but a guy who had been champion and won all of these races before and was just all of a sudden dropping like a rock through the field. It was very weird, but you know, if it was indeed a bike failure, like they said, I'm sure that they will get that fixed. They'll get that dialed back in and you know, it, it sucks in the points right now the way things are so close for him to drop back that far and lose that many points 
he lost, what would that be, like eight or ten points by losing so many spots, and that's huge in Supercross. So hopefully they'll get all the problems ironed out. Hopefully Tomac is physically all right, nothing bad happened to him, and they can regroup this weekend in Glendale and put all that behind them, and we won't be talking about that any longer. Yeah, he's going to need a standout ride for this coming weekend, huh, Heavy D? Yeah, absolutely. And I think he can do it, you know. It's just, it's one of those things, you know. It's, it, it, I think it could, I'm not saying it's, it wasn't a back shock issue, but like Trey said, he's had those times where he's ripped off several wins and then he finished like eighth and ninth or worse. And honestly, I just think what it is is it, when Tomac's not comfortable, he's not going to like force the issue. Right. That's just, I've seen that in the past. Like, he won't force it, but. Then again, you know, you also got to think. You, I could, I could definitely understand him not being comfortable, especially after the Achilles injury. That's a big injury, you know, and in, especially after last season. Like, man, he he was winning the championship, and he could have just chilled out. But I think we've seen, especially with Star Yamaha, we've seen an Eli Tomac we hadn't seen in the past where he's been. He just got so comfortable, and he's just—he's loving it so much that he was like, "Screw it! I'm just going—I'm going to go win no matter what." And uh, I think for him to get back to that, it just—it'll take some time. But once he starts getting some more wins, and I feel like little stuff like that won't be happening because last year, man, he was just—he was just doing his thing last year. He just—he got in such a groove; it just was what it was. It was just like nobody could mess with him. And uh, once once we get the Eli Tomac back, I don't think it'll be any stopping him. I agree, and of course, uh, the rounding out the rest of the field. Uh, Trey does our unsung heroes, the privateers of the sport, and of course, those guys that deserve a little bit of credit. So, uh, rounding out the rest of the field, Trey, uh, let us know, give us a little insight on the four fifty unsung heroes on the weekend. Um, for the rest of the class, I mean, it, we're kind of getting used to seeing the guys 11 through 22, whether they're factory or not. You had Malcolm Stewart, another kind of disappointing race for Barsha in 12. The Suzuki guys going 14, 15, 16, great rebound race from Derek Drake. He's had a couple rough weeks. He had some kind of bike problem, I want to say, in the heat race at San Diego, and he missed the main event in the LCQ. He was back in Anaheim, too, but he was only 21st. So for him to get back in the top 15, that was big. And, you know, I expect the Bar X team to be contending for the SMX playoffs once again. So if he can stay up in the top 20 in points through Supercross, he's going to have a really good shot at being one of the automatic qualifiers, in my opinion. Um, You had a couple guys make their first main event of the season on the privateer side. Mitchell Harrison made his first career 450 main event. Uh, he was a late addition to the 450 class. I don't want to say too much because I interviewed him for the Unsung Heroes this week. Uh, go check that out. It'll probably be up tomorrow when this is put up. So you all can see why he moved up to the 450 late. You can see, you know, his season so far because he had a break, a big practice crash a couple weeks ago, and he's recovering. And Detroit was his home race, so for him to put it in the main event was huge. Tristan Lane's first main event of the season. Shout out to him as well on the Next Level Racing team. And that's about it. 
All right. Anything else uh, 450-wise from Detroit, Heavy D, or Trey? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Well, let's switch some gears and head on over to the 250 Supercross East. A lot of uh, a lot of hype, a lot of talk coming into this race. Can Fortner uh, be consistent and be back up there winning? And he pulls off a win uh, after you know not racing for a handful of months and not being behind the gate. But he shows that he still has the has the speed tray and was able to come out and grab the uh, grab his thirteenth win, tying second uh, in career uh, all time wins in the two fifty class. So. Uh, Fortner's in a really good spot heading into this break. Yeah, it's pretty cool when you can say, you know, tied for, I believe it's third actually, but, you third. know, tied with MC and with Jet, that's that's pretty good company. And for him, as he said, I know I've seen a clip of him in the press conference after the race. I believe it was Jamie from Vital MX that asked him a question. And he was like, you know, the speed has never been the problem. It's always been the reliability the durability of him and he just went out and proved once again he, he's still just as fast as he has been the last several years but this time you know he had good luck in his favor for once usually it seems like Forkner gets all the bad luck and you know he's taking a beating but he survived the first turn incident he went through really smooth rode a smart race didn't do anything fancy. He just had to ride the laps and stay out front, stay at a good pace, and he would win the race, and that's exactly what he did. And that's what he needs to do throughout the season. You know, he's an older guy now in the class. He's been racing for, what, eight, nine years now, so he has experience. He has all the tools I think it takes. And he mentioned also, you know, training with Rhino has – made him more confident and helped him in his opinion. He just needs to stay up front, stay consistent, whether that's on the podium or winning races. And he's just got to minimize the mistakes and try not to do too much because I feel like in the past we've seen him either try to make up ground or be in front and try to put things away early. And he's tried to do too much and that's cost him. And if he just stays smooth, and clicks off consistent results, there's a good chance that he could be the 250 East champion. Are we seeing a new Austin Fortner this year, Heavy D? Yeah, I think so, man. It's just, I, like like in years past, it's, it's just been, his speed, his speed's never been a problem, man, I don't think. He's always been fast. He's always been able to win. It's just, man, no. The long string of bad luck and injuries have just plagued him so bad. And I think, honestly, Detroit is what he needed 100%. That's 100% what he needed to go out there, not just like, you know, try to get through survival and go to Puzzle but go out there and go win. Be like, okay, like, I, I, I'm not, not only can I do this, I'm going to do this. So I definitely think, uh, He's heading in the right direction, and, and and we'll see more too. You know, it was it, it was a lot of carnage. That that first turn pileup was insane. So we didn't get to really see everybody's best. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting when they come back in a couple more weeks. I agree. That carnage in the first turn pileup, of course, took out a lot of the 
heavy hitters, um, Bial, Deegan, McAdoo, um, Hemecker, um, you know, Barry, uh, Park, um, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys, right? So we didn't get to see everybody that was in there, but you gotta, um, you know, you gotta play with what is being dealt to you and fastest guy in the off season, a lot of hype coming around for the firepower Honda rider of Max Anstey and he put it together. Um, didn't qualify the fastest, wasn't uh, wasn't fully up there all the way, but when it came down to the race, he was able to grab second uh, on the night. Trey, uh, talk about Max Anstey. He did exactly what he did at the start of last season, you know, starting the season with a second place, fifth career podium for him in Supercross, and you know, I was kind of skeptical to believe the flying at the test track hype because we get it every year with a bunch of different people. But, you know, Anstey's a veteran guy. He hasn't raced Supercross a ton compared to some of the guys. You know, you think of like Jordan and RJ on the West Coast. But with his experience, Max Anstey has raced the absolute best in the world at various points in his career. You know, his first stint in America when he was in the 250s, he was up against Barsha and Tomac and guys like that. Then he goes over to the GPs and he's racing Jeffrey Hurlings, Tim Geiser, Fedra, Cairoli, all of those world champions and some of the baddest dudes there are. And now he's back over here. The experience that he has battling with all these top tier racers that have won a ton and won a bunch of championships and held the red plate for ages, I think that's helped Anstey as well. You know, he's been able to apply what he knows with racing those guys and put it into around the 250. And now I think he's on a team where he's confident. It seems like since he joined the Firepower team, a flip has switched. He was all right on the HEP Suzuki, but nothing spectacular. And then he was on the uh, Butler Brothers team before it shut down. It seems like since he got on that bike, even outdoors 2022 when he ran those select rounds, you could tell it was something different with him. And after last year's Supercross season, he obviously got a win at East Rutherford in the muddy race there. And then he had one of the best off seasons you could possibly have. He won the 250 championship in the Australian Supercross series. He won the World Supercross 250 title. So he was coming into the series with a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum, and he started the series exactly how he needed to, in my opinion. Second place, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And he cut down the gap a little bit to Forkner at the end of the race. It was a five-second gap, and he cut to about two and a half by the last lap. Is uh, this a new Max Anstey that these guys are going to have to deal with and think about when they're out there, Heavy D? Um... I think he's ready to go win a championship, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's well, like I said, it's a lot of competition out there this season, man. And he was he was doing solid last year, you know. It, what he did last year was highly unexpected and uh I think what it is, you know, they knew what he did last year and he's really ripped he he's you know, he's back on that same grind again this year and uh people are curious and people know and people think but they also know he can go win, so um I think everybody's just ready to see ready to see him go do it. That's all it is. Yeah, pro pro debut uh, for the number fifty nine of Daxton Bennett, local Morgantown, North Carolina kid. Heavy D, 
man, it hasn't happened in 10-plus years that a rookie has been able to come into his pro debut at Supercross and get on the podium, and our local guy, Daxton Bennett, able to get it done. Heavy D. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Dax, he was uh, – I called him to win. I, I texted him, and I told him I was like uh, – I, I was like, you should have – I was pulling for you to win, but you got third. <laughs> so uh I think he'll I think he'll get one this year. I mean he he's definitely gonna be up there because man, he's so smooth and super cross and that's just his thing. He's did it ever since he was on a sixty five. So I mean, hey, it's one of those deals I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to see for the remaining rounds. Um from what you saw, Trey, uh obviously his rookie debut here with the brand new team. He talked about Supercross Futures, kind of helped him, but kind of didn't. What were your thoughts on Daxton Bennett getting that third in Detroit? I thought it was about as good of a debut as you could have. You know, for coming in as a rookie, finishing third, being on the top step of the podium, that's, that's a great sign. And it shows that he's going to be very competitive early on. You know, I don't think there's ever been a question about his talent level. You know, I don't follow the amateur scene super closely, but I've heard about him in his last few years. And, you know, Star Yamaha picking him up, he was an Orange Brigade guy for a long time. And that was huge for Star Yamaha. You know, it's kind of interesting that Star Yamaha picked KTM's two guys that were really geared for their future. You know, you had Deegan and Bennick were Orange Brigade guys, and then Star comes over and brings them in, and they're going to be the faces of their team right. in the 250 class for years to come. And, you know, for Bennick, I mean, obviously he's another in a long line of North Carolina racers. There must be something in the water down there with you guys because, you know, you got Webb and Smith, McElrath, even you go back, guys like Stroop and – I think PJ Larson was down around that area somewhere. You know, you have all these guys coming up through, and Dax is another one. And I thought it was kind of funny, you know, the uh, I don't know if everybody saw the podium video where he couldn't figure out how to open up a champagne, <laughs> but he's going to be up there a lot more times, and he's going to figure that out pretty quick. I think it was a great debut, and I think he'll be up around the top five all year. And you know, he's going to prove that he belongs and. He already did that Saturday. Yeah, he popped his first champagne, and I think that that won't be the last one that we'll see from the number 59 of Daxton Bennett. And another great ride, uh, talking about playing with the cards that you're dealt with, this is the number 69 of Cody Shock on that brand-new Muckoff FXR Club MX team. And I tell you what, Trey, that was a great appearance, first ride on that team, and uh, career best for Cody Shock on the night. Yeah, Cody Shock, man. That was, I feel like that was kind of an FU ride by him. You know, with Phoenix dropping him late in the offseason, he was going to be there for the third season probably. And then with Ferrandez coming in and they kept Park and they kind of left him out in the cold. And he goes over to the Club MX team late, which obviously is a great organization. We've seen the results from March Banks and. You know, Phil's had some good rides with the team as well. Fourth place is huge for Shock. You know, everybody still thinks of him as an outdoor guy, I think. He had a really good summer in 21 with uh, the Chaparral FXR Honda team when it was still running. 
And he's still not thought of as a Supercross guy, even though he's got a bunch of solid results in Supercross. And his previous best was a seventh. Now he has a fourth. And this is huge for him. You know, confidence-wise, he can prove he proved that he can be a top 10 guy, excuse me, you know, and being able to run and beat, obviously he beat a couple factory guys that were right behind him. You had the chaos in turn one, but Supercross sometimes is about maximizing the opportunities you get. And Cody Shock did that. You know, he ran fourth or fifth the whole race. Dax passed him, but he got back up to fourth after Hymas had his issues. And that's huge for Shock. And, it might be even better for the Club MX team because if it wasn't for a good ride by Shock, they had an absolutely miserable afternoon. So at least Shock's really good run and his career best performance was a silver lining in their dark cloud. Yeah, and that entire muck off FXR Club MX team had a full uh, day of ups and downs, but to you know, the end the night on a fourth from your brand new rider that you just got uh, late in the off season had to feel pretty good. Uh, heavy D. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like I thought that was pretty sweet just because he, you know, he did get picked up late in the season. And I mean, to go out there and rip off a fourth, I was like, man, that's wild. Like that's pretty, that, that's gnarly to go out there and rip off the fourth and those conditions after everything that happened, like, he was definitely well-deserving of it, and I'm looking forward to seeing more out of him this season. For sure. And um, another rider that was fast on the night, uh, had some, obviously, problems in that first turn, but was able to make his way on up, was the number 39 of Pierce Brown. Uh, straight took out Jalik Swole in that heat race, but um, was fast all day, of course, and uh, ended up fifth on the night, maximizing them points, Trey. Yeah, Pierce Brown, he's had a weird career to me. You know, I'm not trying to say anything bad here, but this is his fifth year in the class, I think. And he's shown, you know, he can be a podium guy. He can click off the speed, but he just hasn't taken that next step yet. And I don't know when that's going to happen. You know, obviously he had some injuries early on when he turned pro and Trilly Designs was still on KTM. But he's had a little bit of injury, bad luck, and he just it's hard to say because you see some of these guys come in right away, or some of them it takes him a couple of years. You know, this is this is year five. You start to question, you know, it goes from when is he gonna make the leap to can he make the leap? And once again, you know, he showed a lot of speed on Saturday, but he wasn't there up front when it counted. And I like Pierce. Met the guy before. Nice dude. Not trying to say anything bad about him, but I feel like this could really be a make or break year for Pierce. Obviously, he's got a good team behind him. We know the TLD team has had a bunch of success over the years. Maybe not as much in the last couple of years, but, you know, we've seen guys like Seeley and McElrath guys like that go on to have solid careers. There just has to be some kind of turning point, and it's got to happen soon, in my opinion, that he has to start stepping up and showing that he can be a winner or else his time 
you know, contending up front or being on a factory team, it's going to come to an end. And I hate to say that, but I think it's true. You know, these, there are only so many opportunities with how competitive the field is. And now, you know, you have more factory efforts, but it is a very, what can you do for me lately sport? And since he hasn't taken that next step from fast guy and podium guy to winner, you know, I'm a little bit worried about his future. Is this a make or break year for Pierce Brown, Heavy D? I mean, for me personally, no, just because me personally, he, if he wouldn't have been in that first turn pile up in the mic, he was in that pile up and he came back to like what, fifth or sixth, I think it was? Fifth, yep. Yeah, fifth. He'd have won. I'm just going to say it. And he, he'll win. I'm going to go out and let him. He'll win at least four races, four, four rounds. I guarantee it. Because he's rounds. fast. Like, four rounds. Four rounds. I, I guarantee he'll win four rounds. What are you smoking? Watch and see. I'm telling you. All right. Pierce is well, you want to put 20 he's on it? He's fast. You want to put 20 on it? Yeah. Yeah, let's put 20 on it. All right. 20, $20. <laughs> that you're going to give me at the end of the season because you say that Pierce Brown is going to win four races? Four races. Okay, so you got Egan, you got uh, Hemecker, you got McAdoo, you got Vial, you have Benning, mm-hmm. you have Anstey, you have Fortner. He's beaten them four times this year? I'm telling you, he's beaten them four times. He's going to have his first career win, and then he's just going to go on a go on a run? Oh, he'll go on a run. People don't realize, like, the kid's not, like, he he don't have, like, mental issues when it comes to being out front. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, everybody has their time. And I feel like they kind of – because, see, the thing is, I I know Pierce. And the year he came out, they held him back. When he he was, like, in the amateur race and he was on top, they should have let him go in. But they held him back. And sometimes when you hold a kid back as that fast, it hurts them and it takes them longer to grow when you hold them back. And it's taking them some time, but I'm telling you, his speed's there. Like, he's ready to go win right now. Like, when he can, and when he gets out front and he gets to win and do the kid's trouble, what? I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, that's hasn't my he been fast over the, over the previous years and the consistency and the injury fee claw is, is hard for him, right? So it's, I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out what, uh, where you're, I guess, going with it as far as, you know, like how, like, like what has changed, I guess, to, to make him a, a winner this year. It's like years past a bunch of guys. It takes some time to grow. Like, look how long Christian Craig was in before he finally started to win in 250s. Him, Will Hahn. I mean, the list goes on. Even, like Jordan Smith, like it's so many of them. Like you got some guys that can come in and start to win right then, and then you got some guys that come in and it just takes some time. Yeah, I get you. Okay, so and, th- so this is a this is a make year for for Brown. He's gonna he's gonna over um he's gonna overcome the challenges that were before him in the past, and this is a new Pierce Brown. You feel like for this year. Oh, yeah, I feel like it's a new Pierce Brown. That's just me personally, you know, because okay. I feel like it's one of those things. He, his speed is there. It's like he can he can run that pace to, for a whole race, you know. Of course, 
he hadn't been consistent, but you know, it's one of those things, you know, consistency takes time for some people. Like some people get it right away, some people don't. Okay. Like look at Fortner. He's won some races, but he won the very first one this year, you know. But he's been in the in the game for a while now in two fifties. And I mean, it's one of those things he should have did better than what he has. Same thing with Adam when he was in two fifties. Look how long it took him to win a championship. Right. And he was the golden. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I get I get where you're coming from. I guess just Pierce wasn't the guy that I would be thinking of that we would be having this conversation. It probably, at least for me, it would have been like a like a McAdoo or, um, you know, even a, a, a Hemmecker, right? Like it would have been those guys. But you got your eyes set on Pierce Brown and you got your $20. That's a crisp $20 uh, there. So we're going to see which way it goes for sure. Uh, Trey, did you have anything uh, that you wanted to debate on? For Pierce, or you good? Um, who's I don't know. Who's, if that's who's, going yeah, now. whose side are you on here? Uh, I think I'm on more of your side, but at the same time, this could be the birth of heavy Deesterdamus if he, <laughs> you know, if he predicts this right. I mean, this could be huge. <laughs> no heavy shit. D might turn into some kind of predictor. Oh man! No, no, I'm not the predictor. You you, you dialed it in with the fork and the freaking uh, the Lawrence when calling them. It's hard to call both of them. So I mean, that's what if people listen and and you keep getting them right like that, people are gonna start coming here for the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Fantasy League stuff. If <laughs> if, if, if any of it starts to go right, oh man, I'm last in all my RM Fantasy Leagues. I've been terrible this year. Don't ask me for advice. Oh, I didn't even play <laughs> fantasy this year, man. Last year pissed me off so bad that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and enjoy the race and not get mad at anybody. Um, but uh, I tell you what, for a debut of a brand new motorcycle on a Supercross track that has been going on for many of many years is a long-awaited triumph made their return or made their debut, I should say, to Supercross, the Super Motocross World Championship. And I feel like that might be the underrated story from uh, Detroit was how good that bike looked, um, how it handled, how it looked like it belonged. Uh, Jalik was, a, I believe, a perfect person to have on that uh, motorcycle. He started, you know, he was down in the very first turn was able to make his way on up through the field, of course, to get to that sixth-place position. Triumph had a really, really good debut, Trey. I think Jalik had one of his best rides he's had in a Supercross career, honestly. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, like that, that was a lot of grit and a lot of dedicate, or a lot of determination to get up to the front, and yeah, I agree. Yeah, for him to... You know, he's had a couple podiums before, and obviously he's won a national, but for him on a brand-new, unproven bike, obviously they've had some great people working with the bike. You know, Carmichael's helped develop the bike. Clement DeSalle, who was a great veteran in MXGP for many years, also helped with development of the bike. I mean, they had a lot of great people working behind this, and, of course, Bobby Hewitt and Scuba and all those guys. But for Swole to ride as well as he did through all of the adversity that was a great showing by him and you know that shows i believe not only that he is a good rider and belongs but i also think that that shows that he has matured a lot as well you know i don't know him 
very well personally. But I will say, you know, we weren't really friends at the time. But I used to play Xbox with Jaleek back in the day. This was when he was still amateur days, you know, Rockstar Husky 352 wearing seven gear. You know, I've known about him, and that's this one guy I've really followed through the years. And Saturday was a great sign for him. Obviously, I'm sure he didn't want the sixth place, but to be able to come through the pack in two races, because he did it in the heat race as well when Brown took him down, to be smooth and to be calm and to get the last transfer spot there and then to pick his way through people to get sixth in the main event, I mean, that's huge for him. And I think Triumph can really hang their hat on a solid debut. No one knew how it would go exactly. And, you know, I feel like there was a lot of question marks with Jalik as well. You know, there have been good rides with when he was on the Rockstar Husky team. But there have been some kind of struggles. And, you know, if he stays like this the rest of the season, he could be dangerous. And, you know, it could showcase that Triumph made a great move in signing him. And I hope this keeps up because, like I said, you know, I got to know him a little bit at least several years ago and seeing him grow. And if he keeps this level of maturity and he continues to show his speed and not do anything too crazy, he's going to be a really solid guy this year and he's going to develop a lot. I agree. I could definitely see a podium coming uh, from Jalik Swole and Triumph's first uh career podium for sure heavy d what'd you think about the triumph debut oh, i thought it was good dude and honestly i would go by that why just because i mean it honestly looks like it handles so good i could be yeah. wrong but you, you you have like basically a ktm engine in an aluminum frame and i'm not too keen on the steel frame just because i'm a bigger guy but i would try and shred that thing if i could just because I mean, it's it just something looks you really like it want. Handles so well, like that's what they—that's oh, what dude, Barry and Swole both said—is that their favorite thing about the bike is the chassis, and you can tell because that bike looked number one, like it belonged out there on the Supercross track. That track was rough and gnarly, and that thing looked like it handled just fine. Oh yeah, it it really does, man. And Dude, and what makes these crazy? Like, did you see Ferry rip the start on that thing? In oh LCQ? my gosh! I mean, even though that it wasn't LCQ and it wasn't against a lot of the factory bikes, but from all the way on the outside like that, that thing pulled a good start. And I mean, even in the heat race with Swole, um, uh, in the heat race he had a good start, and even in the main event he had a good start if he wouldn't have fell. But those those things came out the hole really good. So power, comfortability, durability. I mean it. It clicked off all of the all of the right check marks that it needed. Oh, 100 percent. And I ain't gonna lie, I kind of feel like they low key like wanted to go to the LCQ to get that thing some more TV time. Like go rip the whole <laughs> shot on that. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, I felt like it was a really good triumph debut. Like I said, that was probably the uh the best ride that wasn't um, you know, shown all over the TV. I felt like that was a really good ride from Jalik. I know he needed that. Uh, it's been a while since he's raced, of course. Um, but, man, sneaky, sneaky. Henry Miller, heavy D, finishes out in that seventh-place position. And you know what? After I saw the results and us knowing that, you know, he's raced Silver Valley uh, quite a bit. Obviously, that's a motocross track. We're talking about a supercross track, right? But um, 
man, a lot of a lot of ruts, a lot of uh, G outs and that sort of thing. Uh, what a great ride for Henry Henry Miller on the night, Heavy D. Oh yeah, dude, Sir Henry, uh, he killed it, man. I was pumped on that performance. He he definitely worked hard for that and deserved it. And I like it even more because you know he's he's out there showcasing skills on TV, running in the big leagues, but yeah, he still comes in, comes on the East Coast and supports the local scene, man. And, uh, that's what I love to see, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, no, and uh, of course on that Ty Lube Honda uh, team, Trey, that was a really good finish for Henry on Saturday night. First, before I talk about Henry Miller, if I'm not mistaken, Silver Valley, the one, the only, the biggest, the best, or whatever Heavy D says. I know he hypes that face up, man. He is the hype man, but uh, Henry Miller, it was a good job, man. He's been solid, and he's he's got four straight top ten finishes in two fifty main events, and you know I was kind of surprised by that. He's been a solid privateer guy yep. for really his entire career, and honestly, the Tyler Honda team as a whole had a great night with Henry getting a top ten. That's a veteran guy. That's a great guy to have on that team because he can kind of be a mentor to the younger riders, but also go out and get results. Trevor Kolop, 11th in his debut, was really impressive. He qualified 16th ahead of a couple factory guys, and he finished 11th in his debut. I mean, I know he ran futures a little bit, but I didn't know a bunch about him. And for him to come out and get 11th in his debut, that was pretty impressive. Marcelisi, 12th as well. I mean, they had a banner day for the Tyloo Honda team and you know, shout out to that organization. That was huge for them. And I'm sure they can hang their hats on a great performance. And, you know, along with the Triumph team, they're out there running some running gear. A little bit of a different look than we are used to so far, but great showing by them and hopefully the momentum continues for them. Yeah. Um and Guillaume Fares uh from Spain. He's obviously been over here for a, a while, switched over from the Monster Energy Yamaha uh, or Star Racing Yamaha team to that Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. And this was his debut of Supercross, of course. And uh, I believe he would have had uh, six, but he fell, um, I do believe. Um, but regardless, he finished up eighth on the night, Trey. Uh, I felt like that's something for him to hang his hat on and uh to improve for the rest of the year obviously this was his first you know uh debut at supercross so just to get this first one out of the way because the other two haven't gone uh you know that last year didn't go well he got hurt in the offseason before he could even start uh, but this was uh this was something to start with uh trey yeah, it was a good result for him. You know, a lot of people might say, oh, eighth place in his debut, you know, with the team that he's on. But a guy that was coming up through the European motocross scene, he ran some MX2 races before he came over here. I think eighth place is a solid debut for him. You know, I think he's going to be – I don't think he's going to be uh, on the level of Dax or, of course, on the level of – the guys that have been in the class for years and are at the top, but if he just logs top tens and keeps growing and learning the tracks and the style of racing, then it's going to be a successful season for him this year. If he can stay healthy and consistently be in the top 10, I think that'll be a great sign for him. 
obviously when the motocross season comes around, I expect that he will do a bit better. But for him, he just needs to log laps, get solid finishes, and learn the pace, learn the technique, learn the track style, and he'll be all right. And, you know, eighth place on debut, that's not bad. Far as heavy D, eighth on the night. No, I agree with everything Trey said. He like he explained far as out to a T, you know. I, I know last year in outdoors I had him uh you had pretty him high, for the title. But, uh, you had him for the title, yeah, I, did. Yeah, I I mean I went out on a limb. I mean he was riding good. He got Are you hurt. going out on a limb with Pierce Brown too? No, I'm not really going out on I really I honestly <laughs> believe that. Like not even gonna lie to you. I like I just honestly believe it. like the thing is, I mean Everybody's on the, I mean, you know, hype of everybody else, like Fortin and everything. And the good thing about I, Pierce is just slept on. That's just my thing, you yeah, know. But yeah. as far as far, I mean, he'll get there. I, I think it's sweet. He got another opportunity even after his injury. Yeah. To go uh, with another team and dude, like for him to go out and Supercross because they didn't even let him do Supercross last year. He honestly could have because he's a foreigner, so he wouldn't have to go through Supercross Futures. Oh, uh, he got but, hurt. He got hurt before before his debut last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just I think it's good he got on Rockstar and he went out there and put in a solid finish. And if he stays consistent, you know, I mean, he's only going to get better, and they're going. They, they, I mean, they're going to look to keep him over, so I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah, another privateer, of course, the number 75 of Marshall Welton, uh, getting into that top 10 in the ninth place spot, coming off of the progressive Twisted T Suzuki team from last year, now on the Gizmo Mods Rock River Yamaha Racing team. That's a good result, Trey, uh, for Welton in that ninth place. First career top 10, which I was a little bit surprised by. Uh, Marsh has been kind of a journeyman sort of guy started over here privateer I remember when he was first pro and you know running up through the ranks over here his main sponsor was justinbarsha.com or something like that (laughs) I remember seeing that on the entry list you know and then he went over and rode MXGP for a couple years came back was privateer Yamaha and then filled in and eventually got a full time seat with HEP and that's a great result for him you know, I thought that was a great pickup by the Rock River team as they start to get back to where they were a few years back when they had guys like Alex Martin, guys like Colt Nichols. And, you know, he, he's another Michigan guy as well. Yep. A career best ninth place at his home race. That had to feel really special for him. And that was a good result. No, that's awesome. Uh, Marshall Welton, Heavy D, ninth place on the night. Yeah, like I said, I think it's solid, especially coming from the Twisted T team and uh, switching it up, you know. Uh, I think that's good. It's something he definitely needed. Uh, there's been some ups and downs for sure, but coming out and getting that ninth and uh, opening round of the East Coast, is, I think that's what he needed and hopefully it heads him uh, more in the right direction. Yeah, Team Honda HRC, Chance Hymas, um was in for the night, of course, and he finished 10th, but he was up there at the front uh there at the beginning of the race but of course fade and of course we know now that he has a uh, knee injury that he's still uh dealing with from last year and he might have aggravated a little bit in that heat race when he um uh dropped it down but uh he showed some speed trey uh i think i think it's there 
Uh, he showed he, he was really confident in his riding, especially during that heat race um, and even in the main event until he started to fade back a little bit. But I think there's a little bit of uh, hope there for the number 48 of Chance Hymas. Definitely. I think, you know, he was one of the top amateur guys for a while. And obviously last year he ran a few supercrosses, was going around the whole motocross season until he got hurt. He led some laps at high point and, you know, I can tell then the speed is there. Working with the Lawrence brothers, of course, having them as teammates, and I think he's trained with them a good bit too. That has to be huge for him. You know, being able to pick up on some of the little things and being able to get some of the advice from them. But it was definitely a weird day. You know, I hadn't heard anything, honestly, about him possibly re-aggravating his injury, so that would explain things. But, you know, he was... He looked great early on in the heat race. Then he kind of faded back a little bit later, which obviously still had really good guys get around him with McAdoo and Deegan. In the main event, he was running third or running second for most of the main event. Then Anstey passed him, and he ended up dropping back. But not the end result he would have wanted, but definitely some good things you can take away from it. The speed the fact that he put himself in a great position up front that's something that he's got to be proud of and you know hopefully the injury news isn't too bad he can get rehabbed a little bit and get stronger throughout the season yeah hi miss heavy d oh yeah i agree i mean i just i feel like some of these guys i know they want to get out there and showcase and you know put their team in the best position to, to succeed but i mean i feel like man if you you got an injury that's nagging. I feel like instead of trying to get out there and risk it, just wait until you're 100%. I know you want to be in a championship fight, but I don't know. I, it's just one of those deals for me. Like, if you know you're not 100%, I mean, why keep pushing it knowing you're going to re-aggravate it? And once you do, then that's like, that's the excuse, you know? I would rather wait and be 100% and then – Rather than go out there and not being 100% and then doing good. And once, you know, something happens, I have something like a backup plan to depend it on. That, but that's just me, you know. Right. But, I mean, I think if he, when he's 100%, his, his speed is obviously there without a doubt, you know. So, yeah. I, th I think we'll see as the season goes on. I think hopefully, you know, this little break helps him and uh, he can get that aggravation out of his knee and everything's so, uh, – 100% or at least close and solid the way he can get back out there. Yeah, and um, of course, looking through 11 through 22, Trey, I'll give you here in a second uh, to talk about the Young Sung Heroes, but we got to talk about uh, McAdoo, Deegan, Vial, and Hemmecker, man. That was a big, obviously, first-term pileup. We can talk about Ferry in there as well. He unfortunately didn't finish. Um, Hemmecker, unfortunately, didn't finish as well. Uh, McAdoo, of course, we all know he was balls out all night. Uh, had that had that issue, had to do what he had to do to salvage points. Deegan, same situation. Um, he was not happy about the situation. He flicked off the wrong person, I believe. Um, but at the same time, when you see a orange fender coming straight over, you think you know that he was the one that caused the problem, of course. But um, at least those guys were able to manage uh, the points. And uh, Deegan, obviously, with his uh, handlebar down that far, uh, able to at least even just do some doubles and at least finish the race as uh, it's shown some 
uh, grit and de determination, of course. Um, and a lot of those other guys, like I said, Vial, Hamecker, McAdoo, I mean, those guys all got involved as well. Um, anything on those guys? And then obviously give us some of the unsung heroes uh, that were that people can see on the website now. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I think 14th through 22nd, I think all of those guys ended up being down. You know, for Romano, who's a rookie and missed all of last year due to injury, for him to be kind of the leader of that group, that was a good sign for him. Obviously, McAdoo let it all hang out. Um, not the start to the season he wanted, but, you know, salvaging a 15th, Deegan with the bent handlebars. Uh, I already mentioned 11th and 12th, uh, Cole and Marcelisi. Yep. 13th place was Preston Bates Flug, another guy who made his first career start. He was just in Futures at Anaheim, yep. and now he's in the main event. Gage Linville, DVD Racing, 17th. Nice run for him and that team, which is obviously growing at a great rate. Yeah, we actually just got to Gage um, right before we had you on, Trey, and he is now at the Dog Pound um, training with, you know, the likes of the Lawrences and Ferrandis, right? And uh, he's also got Ezra Lusk uh, behind him, helping him as far as training goes. So that's something to keep in mind for the future as well. Yeah, I mean, he looked really good uh, on Saturday. He's top 20, I think, in qualifying. Went straight through the heat race. Good ride for him. Yep. And also, you know, for the people who pay attention to the arena cross stuff, Brighton Carroll, first career main event. Yep. He's been racing the arena cross, the signature of blonde hair flowing out of the helmet. 483, he put it in the main. Unfortunately, you know, he was in that first turn crash, so he didn't really get to show what he was capable of, but still something he can go look back at and say, man, I was in the main event racing with the best in the world. And uh, well wishes to Colin Park. I haven't seen how it went, but he had a very eventful day. He crashed hard in his heat race, I believe. And he was down on the first corner of the LCQ, came back to take the final transfer spot on the last corner. Goes down on the first turn incident, and then he ends up clipping a kicker. And uh, I believe he has a wrist injury. Don't know the extent of it yet, but well wishes to Colin Park. And hopefully nothing is too bad there. And hopefully we'll see him back on the gate at Arlington. Yeah, and that's it from uh, Detroit. Are there any last uh, words or anything that you'd like to say from the weekend on to uh, Arizona this coming weekend? We're good? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, let's uh, talk over a little bit about the AMA Arena Cross Series. Uh, Trey, of course, uh, you wrote the article, and that will be up uh, on the website tomorrow. Sorry for the for the lateness of that, but um, we got a little bit of a shakeup. Some things uh, kind of changed this past weekend going into this weekend's doubleheader. It was exactly what the doctor ordered for Ryan Brees. You know, he's been trading the wins with Kyle Peters, but for him to get a 1-1 while KP goes 4-4, that was huge. He chopped six points off of the lead. Now it's down to 13. You know, that that's what he's been working for. Brees has been up there, up front, and he just had the bad luck, you know, with the flat tire and with the crash earlier in the year. I mean, I don't really think Kyle Peters had bad luck. Well, he did tangle with Bitterman at one of the main events, but, you know, that's what he has needed for the last several weeks. You know, they were trading 1-1s. The points lead was at 19 or at 21 for a long time, and now to be able to, 
to take the lead down because Brees went out there and quite frankly dominated and KP had a little bit of a struggle. That's exactly what Brees needed if he wanted to, I don't necessarily know if stay in the championship fight because he would have stayed in it, but to get closer to that red plate and to get to that number one plate, that was huge for him. And it was also a benefit for him that the 250 West guys got a break because he got a couple more guys that could mix it up with Peters. Yep. Robbie Wageman rode really well the other night. Uh, of course, part of the Heartbeat Hot Sauce team, Solitaire team. Politelli was there as well. I don't think he finished ahead of KP, but you know that that helped Brees out, in my opinion, as well, because it gave a couple more legit guys who could go up there and had the potential to beat Peters. And, of course, Wageman did. You know, it was a great night for Brees. And I think it's a great night for the fans as well because we want to see a battle. We want to see a championship fight to the end. I mean, they're going back to Las Vegas this year, and they've had some all-timers at Las Vegas going for an arena cross title before, and I think that's what all the people want. I agree. And, of course, uh, Kalana Humphreys, I believe that's how you say his first name, Kalan or Kate Keelan um, Humphreys. I think it's Kalana. Kalana, okay. So, yeah, he had a he had a good night, of course. Uh, had to go through the uh, LCQ, but was able to win the LCQ, and the young 16-year-old gets, in, gets into, the, uh, into the main event. That was, uh, that was really good for Humphreys. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Um, you know, I knew of him more of the free-riding side of things. I've seen a lot of videos with him, you know, guys like Tyler Behrman riding with people like that. But, you know, it shows, too, that Arena Cross can be a good platform for young guys. And he's not the only guy, you know, that that has used Arena Cross to help get up there, at least this season. You know, you've had Blake Gardner, whose podium this year, he was in Supercross Futures and finished top five at Anaheim. Tyler Millett, he's on the EBR Ajax Husqvarna team. He's another 16-year-old kid who's ran in Futures. And, you know, got some experience with Arena Cross this year. And I think that's a great sign. You know, we don't have that road to Supercross anymore like we had when guys like RJ or when Plessinger were coming up. But to see these youngsters be able to go out in Arena Cross and contend with guys that have raced at a high level for years, you know, this is a good sign for them. It gives them confidence to say that they can run with veterans, you know, in general, more track time, more events in a racing competition is always going to benefit them. And it was great to see him. And, you know, you saw Cody Groves give him props in the B main. You know, he's like, kids straight up beat me. I lost. <laughs> I couldn't get in the main event. But it was great to see Humphrey. I hope to see more of him in some of these races. And realistically, I hope more of these amateur racers who are trying to make a name for themselves and, you know, make it to those pro ranks. I think Arena Cross will be a great step for them. Obviously, Supercross Futures is as well. But, you know, if some of these guys are close to the Arena Cross races, I think they should go there and get some track time. And like I said, the competition is only going to help them get stronger and get more confident. Yeah, Heavy D, the AMA Arena Cross Series is one that you don't want to miss. That's for sure. It's getting good. Yeah, I I haven't been able to watch it. Every time it's on, I've been on the road driving, so I kind of miss it, and I haven't went back and watched it yet either. Oh, so you you ain't got no information on the, on the uh, on the Arena Cross series, but I tell you what, the 
the battle between the two title combatants of Ryan Brees and Kyle Peters are definitely uh, coming down, uh, not to the end, but it's definitely coming down in points, that's for sure, from the past two weekends. And, um, man, Trey, I appreciate you coming on tonight, giving your insights and giving your opinion on uh, the races from this past weekend. And, of course, we'll get you on for next week. Um, anything else uh, before we let you go on the night? Are we going to make predictions for Glendale? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Again. We got to keep the predictions going. Hold on. Let me get my get my handy dandy notebook out. All right, Heavy D. Uh, who who do you have for your 450 winner in uh, Arizona this weekend? 450 winner. Golly, I, I I feel like Coop may come out and do something this weekend. All right, you got you got Webb and uh, yeah, I got Webb. All right, you got Webb. Trey, who you got? Back to back, give me Lawrence again. All I right. think Jets going to put it on the top of the box once again. All right, uh, I had Tomac last time. Uh, man, my predictions are going to be absolute trash, but uh, I'm going to go Kenny. I think uh, I think Kenny might be able to uh, get it done uh, this next weekend. I feel like it's a big uh rebound for him as far as if he wants to be in this title fight i think he's gonna have to win a race and i think this weekend is a big weekend for him but i think it's also a big weekend for a lot of other guys too but um i'm not sure uh i can't really give you an exact reason on why i would pick uh roxton but i just have a feeling that um he's gonna be fast once again and uh, if he can get that start down pat, I mean, he he ha he could have had a win already this year uh, if it wasn't for that mistake in San Diego uh, in front of uh, AP. But I think uh, I think Roxon might be able to get it done. And of course, we're moving back to the 250 Supercross West uh, this weekend with uh, Smith and RJ and Thrasher and Kitchen. So. Trey, I'll start with you first. Who you got as far as the 250 class uh, West? for this weekend? I want to go with RJ Hampshire for this weekend. I think, you know, this could be a big statement for him. He's lost ground to Levi and to Jordan. He's eight points out of it, I think. And, you know, if he goes out there to State Farm Stadium Saturday night and gets a win, that puts him right back in the conversation. And, you know, this is one of those moments that could really determine who's the champion. And if RJ pulls off a win Saturday night, it could be huge and give him some momentum. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to use this week off. Not only is extra practice and time to get right, but also motivation. You know, he could be thinking all week, I'm eight points down. What do I have to do to get back at these guys? I think he's going to take home the win Saturday night. Heavy D, who you got in the 250 class? Uh, it's tied between Smith and Kitchen. Uh, both going to be uh, having red plates this weekend. But who you got as far as the winner goes? Schmitty. I'm going Schmitty. And you know what's crazy is I have uh, Smith winning this as well. Uh, the last time that we saw them smith got fourth on the night so we know that he wants redemption and he wants to take back charge of that red plate and of course kitchen is obviously looking really good right now but i think smith is uh is gonna have to dig deep and i think he's gonna be the win uh to win uh is that kind of your same thoughts 
Oh yeah, I'm I'm feeling that just because man, when he get that when he get that championship in the sight, my boy smell blood. He just he loves winning championship. That's what he does, and he ain't won one in two in lights class yet. And he it's right there. It's it's at his fingertips, man. All right, sounds good. Well, there's our predictions on the weekend up ahead, and uh, just for um, shits and giggles, I should say, um, who you got for the winner on um, Friday? And well, let's just do Friday, I guess. Well, we could do both if we want to, Trey, for the uh, Arena Cross series. Who you th- who you think is going to come out uh, on top uh, these two rounds coming up this weekend? I think the momentum is on his side. I think Brees gets another 1-1 this weekend, at least on Friday night. Uh, it's weird that we're having a doubleheader. I didn't know about it until earlier this week. It's probably my fault for not doing a little bit of investigative journalism. But, man, Brees, he's got the momentum on his side, and I don't think he's going to be stopped. I see him going 1-1 again. Okay. Uh, I see it going 1-1 and then 1-1. So either, you know, uh flip it either uh Brees or or peters i think that they're gonna go back to back uh this weekend but we shall see of course and uh like i said trey uh before we did our predictions i appreciate you coming on again and uh we'll have you back on next week for your expert analysis from the racetrack i wouldn't go so far calling me an expert yet but <laughs> thank you for having me on once again and i appreciate it i look forward to these conversations every week not a problem, Trey. I appreciate it, and have a good night. Yep, you too. All right. And that was our Trey Steyer, our writer over there on ImperativeMX.com, and he does great with all of our articles, uh, the morning after reports from the race recaps on the weekends, and, of course, the Unsung Heroes talking about the privateers from the weekend that does not get the spotlight that the those riders deserve, and he's there to do that for us. And... uh Man, I tell you what, Heavy D, I believe that is it for episode number 35 here on the Imperative MX podcast, where we spoke about local motocross racing here in 2024 with the race season upon us starting or actually started this past weekend at the opening round of the NCMX series. Then we had our uh, we had Zach Heron call in first guest of the night, spoke about everything that he is doing. Uh, announcing this past weekend at the NCMX series, GNCC, Racer TV for him, and learning that series, musician, being a, you know, moving to Charlotte, and a bunch more from Zach Heron. And then we switched it to the professional side, talked with Dirt Bike Depot's Gage Linville about his 17th from this past weekend, and of course, um, moving training facilities. Uh, he, wouldn't call it a facility, but now he's uh, down there at the dog pound with the Lawrence brothers and Ferrandis and a lot of other good guys and talked about working with Ezra Lusk now as his trainer and a lot of good things coming from Gage that we talked about in this episode. And then, of course, we talked everything Detroit um, from the riders, the track, the championship titles, fights that were witnessing here and of course so much more here on the imperative mx podcast episode number 35 and we can't forget we also talked about the ama arena cross season and big thanks again to the companies who all make this possible make sure you guys check these great companies out they support us and what we do and they're there to support you guys as well 
West Virginia Motorsports, Dirt Industries Custom Graphics, FXR Racing, Hydropower, Silver Valley MX Park, Total Control Racing Suspension, and PR Motorsports. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Imperative MX Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, or any of the other social medias that we have. And find more episodes of the Local Scene Podcast or the Imperative MX Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you find your podcast nowadays. Check out ImperativeMX.com when you can. And post on the forums. We have a forum up there, so make sure you guys utilize that and use that. From myself, Zach Newberry, and co-host Heavy Day. We're out. See you next week. Peace. Later.